Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to January, the January 25th, 2023 Economic Development Subcommittee and Steering Committee meeting. I would like to call the meeting to order as it is 6.01. Um, I have a note to residents. All citizens are welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Additionally, in an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone or Zoom. The meetings will also be live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. You can click on the link in the agenda packet on the website to uh, join us on Zoom, or you can call in. It's one nine two nine. 205-6099 and enter the meeting ID number which is 824-7438-3439 and then press pound. It was 824-7438-3439 and then the pound number. Um, so welcome everyone to this um, a little bit longer than our normal time that we have together meeting. I just wanted to remind people that we're here to be, uh, I expect to be, um, everyone to be respectful and act civilly to each other. Also, um, I hope everyone has come with a resolution for 2023 that they are willing to listen to each other and um, maybe just um, come up with a solution to our problems that we have tonight. So, anyways, everyone on the steering committee is in chambers with me tonight. So we have uh, Councilor Sheridan, Frangillo, and, and Jones, Beth Whirling from the Planning Board, Greg Rano from the Planning Board, and Bruce Hunchard from the Zoning Board of Appeals. So we're all together tonight, um, and it's snowing, and so we're... Um, Hopefully we won't get snowed in together. <laughs> uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jamie. Jamie? Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so through you to the committee. Um, so on the agenda tonight, obviously, is the, uh, <clears throat> the use table and the inclusionary zoning concepts um, to pick up uh, where, we, uh, where the committee left off at the last meeting. Um, I do want to note, um, if you're so inclined, Madam Chair, you know, it's okay, but um, if you don't, um, but one thing the staff thought would be an interesting idea would be to kind of model out, um, at least as a start, just to depict uh, a little more accurately and closely some of the issues that have been brought up about setbacks, parking requirements, and space. Brian did a, uh, Tabiner did a phenomenal job, and Brian maybe come up to, to, to that a little deeper into this, but um, essentially what Brian's done here is an overview of what a project would look like under the um, staff proposal, uh, the original proposal that was put forth based on all the other regulatory use requirements in the town code. And I just want to highlight before we get started one issue that uh, jumped off at us on the staff level, which I think makes this effective is, the issue of character has been brought up a few times um, uh, in these meetings. And, um, and so I think this gives a good visual that hopefully everybody can look at this also from a character perspective. Um, so this is GR 
This is GR5. This is most of the feeder streets around the downtown core. And when you really put it out, apply a project um, and take into consideration all the other setbacks and features and requirements, you're really looking at a parcel right here uh, in a building that's quite big, patio, walkway, parking, and some green space around the periphery. So when we start talking about 50% of impervious of a parcel or 75% or let's get let's cut the setbacks down to 5 feet, 10 feet, whatever. We're also talking about major major concessions potentially, not my decision to make, but potentially concessions uh, around quality of life and character of what you want the streets to really look like. And so uh, Brian uh, did this great rendering that's in the packet, and folks can look at it online. Um, and Brian, maybe you can uh, dig into the details a little bit about what the buffer zones are and all the other features. Thanks. Sure, thank you. Uh, Brian Sperner, Director of Planning and Community Development. Um, in your packet is that diagram that I came up with. Um, I was getting I was getting a little concerned at, at some of the meetings, and I went, when people come in and ask me questions about this, or you know, well, what does it mean if you, you have you know, 15 units per acre, things of that nature, and is it that too much, too little, whatever? Um, and there are people that would like to change the impervious surface, allow you know, a, a lot of different issues. So I thought that what we could do is come up with an example, fic totally fictitious example. You're probably not going to find anything a totally square 40,000 uh, square foot lot in all of that zoning district, but it is easy to put it that way. Your unknown uh, caller. That me? No. no. <laughs> so this um, is kind of this. This is an acre. It's 40,000 40, square, square feet. Right. Uh, an acre is 43,560, yep. yep. but a, a you know, contract or a builder's acre, they say 40,000, so yep. therefore yep. I use that as an example. Excellent, thank you. Uh, it's 200 feet by 200 feet, built the actual lot. Yep. And uh, it, I use the setbacks that are required in General Residential 5, it's a dotted line around the edges, around the acre. It's 20 feet in the front and back, and 15, seat, uh, 15 feet on both sides. Um, I'm going to go through down below on the, on the zoning regs that are there. In that zone, you need 10,000 square feet or 100, and 100 feet of frontage. That says 200 feet of frontage. Um, the impervious coverage of, for buildings only can go up to 30%. And the maximum impervious of buildings and paving can be 35%, up to 35%. Mm -hmm. So that could be. 10% building and 25% parking lot, you know, whatever, but it can't go more than 35% in that. Otherwise, you need to get a, a variance uh, from the ZBA. Uh, maximum building height is three stories in that area, just as it is pretty much town-wide in any of the zones. Um, the current use regulations as far as housing units are that up to one unit may be permitted by planning board special permit per thousand square feet of lot area. So you have 40,000 square feet here. You could possibly get 40 housing units on that one lot <coughs> by special permit and by the planning board. Um, the proposal that we have, and you've been talking about quite some time now, is to change multi-family housing units by right 
um, of one housing un unit per 2,750 square feet of lot area. Now that uh, comes out to um, 15.84 parcels per acre. So actually, if you had a full acre, you would get 16 units. As the case as it is here with the 40,000, it comes uh, the multifamily housing units permitted by right would be 14.545 or 15 housing units because you ground up if it hits 0.5 or more. Um, you need in this uh, scenario with 15 housing units, you need 30 parking spaces. That's what the requirement is. However, the planning board does at times upon request waive some of parking spaces down. So um, the proposed development, if you will, um, it, keep in mind that the buildings only can be up to 12,000 square feet and then additional um, couple thousand square feet for the building and paving. So you can actually get up to 14,000 square feet of impervious surface on 40,000 square foot lot. Um, so what I did was I kind of maxed it out, if you will, uh, the impervious coverage, putting a three-story residential building, the footprint being uh, 6,300 feet, and then the additional impervious surfaces, which are mostly paving, but there's also some concrete pads in there and things of that nature, to 7,650 per total of 13,950, which is just below the 14,000 max. One more parking space would push you over um, the, the, the max in this case, okay? So mm -hmm. if you want more parking spaces, you have to have a smaller building, essentially, where uh, it would work out. Um, so what I would do as a developer, thank God I'm not because you guys say, I, you know, some people say I'm not gonna make any money or whatever the case may be on, on a small uh, small development like this, but I don't think it is a small development. I would go to them, um, you're required to have 30 parking spaces, 15 units times two. Mm -hmm. uh, I would go to them, the planning board, and request that they waive down to say 20 units. Not that they're gonna automatically give you anything or whatever, but it is within a half mile of a train station. Yeah, a, a good story to tell there. And uh, you have off-road parking for at least one space per unit. So you have additional, uh, some additional limitations on that. And I, you know, just for the, to show you there, um, I put in some areas where, for instance, a vegetated buffer, because if you, if you need uh, a vegetated buffer between an, an, another parcel, if you have more than a certain amount of parking spaces and all the other things. So these are just things that are thrown in there. It's, it's generic, but it gives you an idea of what the developer could do if they had a 40,000 square foot lot. Um, and this is, except for the waiver, it's all by right. There's no special permit involved. And if we were to change the zoning the way we're proposing to change it. Um, if you increase the impervious coverage in it and something like that, then you're going to be able to do more development, which means more paving, more cars, more building. You'll be able to, you'll have a denser neighborhood if you do that. I would like to just talk about current general residential five for a minute where we are today. I did an assessment, which I'm not gonna bore you with too many things, but um, currently is 187 parcels. 
that are general residential type. Um, it's roughly 82.45 acres. Um, 76 of the parcels have one family home houses on them. Okay. 54 have duplexes, 15 have three family, 10 have four family, six have five, three have six family, one has a seven. And then one has 18 units, and then one is the larger development, 257 units on D now. Okay. So that's a total of 599 housing units in the general residential five now, currently today. And you know, a substantial amount of them are, are the development down on D and F. So if you take that off for a minute, the a lot of general residential five are single family here and a duplex and a three family and another single family and it that's the type of neighborhood it is right now. Um, yes, it has it has five, six family, for instance. But that's distributed throughout the whole area. It's they're not like all lined up, right? These are scattered. So if you develop the, what I'm proposing here, just one of those, that would be the third largest housing development in the general residential file. Okay? This could be done by right with what we're proposing. Uh, do we need to get large development in that area? Or would that totally change the character if we say we, can, we, need, you can, we need to allow more housing units? We need to, um, so I understand that the a developer, they're gonna buy land, they need to have a certain amount of uh, profit out of it at the end, and they have their formulas they go through and they can figure out whether or not they're going to make money or not. Allowing multifamily up to 40 for instance, by a special permit, that hasn't been working all that well right now because otherwise we would have a lot more larger developments in, in the general residential fund. We have smaller multifamily developments right now. And like I said, this would be literally the third largest multifamily in that, in that whole zone, which is over 80 acres of our, of our um, surrounding the downtown area right now. So I just wanted to lay that out there. Um, it's a decision of town council to, to uh, vote on any final thing at all. I think it's a good thing, time to debate whether this, that type of thing is too big, too small, just right, or whether you want to um, you know, totally go in another direction with this. But um, that size development is essentially what MBTA requires for us to be able to permit by right. If we want larger than that, then obviously the time can decide. If we want smaller than that, we're not gonna meet the MBTA requirements. There you go. Going back to you, Jared. Okay, thank you, thank you, Brian. Thank you for that. Um, I do have like, <clears throat> I was just thinking, because we were talking all, we're always talking about stormwater. Um, and I was think, thinking about the patio pavers and if it was a pervious patio paver, then that wouldn't be part of the impervious coverage. Well, right? the the way it, the way it did it is the, the red orange area. Yep. That are um, they're not impervious. They're pervious paper. They're pervious. So okay. water can drain right. right down through. Okay. So the otherwise so, you, you wouldn't be able to you know put that much. So your paper. impervious your impervious coverage is is the parking lot and the in the building. Yeah, and okay. and also right. the small. Um, 
dumpster pad and a couple. Yep, little, I see that. And there's a couple little areas where you have um, handicap ramps, which are best to be a solid ramp. So other than yeah, that, I um, see that. Yeah, other than that, it's all. Thank you for doing this. I think it helps people visualize mm -hmm. um, what we're talking about, and hopefully, people at home are seeing this as well. Um, I know everybody probably has a question for you. I just want, I want to make <laughs> one point about the diagram. Yeah. It is, believe it or not, I made that diagram using Microsoft Excel. Okay, so it is not a really detailed schematic. If you get out your rules, you might say, oh, that's not 200 feet, that's 199. Okay, yeah. so I just want you to know that, that, that you will find a fault that you okay. really right. want to look for. That is a concept that was put out there for for your for your discussion. Right, we won't we won't yell at you if it's right. if it's Thank not perfect. Thank you. It. It, it, it sounds like Doc Brown from Back to the Future. It's not to scale, but it's a good rendition of what we have. So um, still, thank you for the, thank you for this. I think it helps a lot. Um, I'm going to go over to Bruce. Uh, thank you, <coughs> Brian. Uh, I think the drawing's fine. I think you did a great job on the drawing. And you did a great job on your presentation. It's just got a couple of questions. Uh, maybe one is the main one. Did a lot of uh, numbers. How many actual lots of GR5 or 40,000 square feet? Like I said, you're not going to find them. Most the in GR5, um, the uh, they require to have a 10,000 square foot lot. GR5 probably has more lots that are not 10,000 than that do. Okay, so you'd have to take two, three parcels on a row to develop something like this, but there are a couple that are the size, but most of them would be combining lots together. Well, especially in this GR5. Especially GR5, correct. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Craig? No, we Okay. Um, Patrick. Coley. <laughs> I think this is huge and, and uh, very helpful for framing. I want to, as we get a little more time, I want to bring back the entire framing about why we're doing this, why this conversation uh, ever started. Uh, I, I'm very proud to say that we initiated this conversation before the MBTA uh, Community Act. right? This wasn't just about meeting the state law. This was a, a problem that was identified in town and, and looking for a solution to that. Now, what was the, the problem is that uh, in order to uh, pay for all the services that we all enjoy, we need to grow. Now, we also need to uh, we need to talk about raising capital, we have to find opportunities to reduce expenditures on services. But at the end of the day, unless you're gonna majorly cut services, we need to continue growing. So then the question becomes, well, where do we grow? And we've heard from residents time and time again. We also sense in our finances that the uh, growth on the edge of town, continuing to make uh, developments uh, that knock down old forests um, or building large apartment complexes in places uh, you know adjacent to uh, single-family homes is not the type of growth that we want. And so then the question becomes, well, where can we do it? And that's why we're talking about our downtown. 
Because if we can allow our downtown to breathe just a little, to add a few more um, units, a little piece at a time, add a little uh, commercial, those housing units that support uh, that commercial. We hear, again, the number one concern we hear from the senior center is that they can't find housing. The number one concern I hear from my peers and the concern that I have currently um, is that I can't find uh, housing that I can uh, afford in some smaller units downtown that don't add to our infrastructure expenses, that do support our businesses, those are the sort of things that we want. And we know that we like these types of communities because it's the types of communities that we visit on the weekend um, you know, when you, when you go to a walkable downtown. That's what this whole conversation is. So I, I get the uh, framing around, uh, you know, it, it's, it's easy to be tempted to frame around uh, what currently uh, is there and how can we, uh, you know, marginally change that or, or barely do that just to meet uh, the law. I would rather start from what is the vision and, and how can we uh, meet that vision. And I think that um, it's not doing the bare minimum, it's doing uh, what needs to be done in town while still meeting the needs of the, of the current neighborhood character. So it's a subtle flip, um, but I, I don't know. I just feel like that's an important framing as to, as to this entire conversation. That's what I have for now, but I have a lot more thoughts on actual numbers. Get going. Jamie. Jamie, Madam Chair. Um, I think Bruce's question is poignant because the, the, the model that's up on the screen is really hard to do. Almost, I wouldn't say impossible, <clears throat> because if we look out 10, 15, 20 years, which this zoning and this, and I think to Council for Jill's point, the, the vision is about that, right? This is not Legos. We are, no one's building stuff tomorrow, okay? And so I think we, to go back to the staff proposal, when the three housing units part was brought up about the triple, you know, the three housing units in the zoning district. What Brian just illustrated is why. Because your greatest, one of the greater opportunities, possibly before the council, is that if you did have a single home and there was a redevelopment on a 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 square foot lot, it's feasible to get three units on that lot. That's increasing your housing stock from one single family house to a duplex or a triple decker in the ADUs separate from this, you know, maybe another avenue to deal with that. So that is increasing our stock. I think the way that this portrays to me is if the council decides that they're gonna go, or the group's gonna decide that they're gonna go more than 15 units per acre, we're talking about really, really expensive, complicated, much larger buildings. So I think that you know, that's where the character issue comes in that I think Councilor Jill just pointed out about vision. What do people want on Dean Ave? What do people, what do you think they want on Milliken, Ruggles, some of the other features, Cottage? We know what's there now. Do we want that to stay? And what's feasible for the future? Is a 40 or 35 unit complex feasible? I think Joe Halligan was here earlier a few several meetings ago and, and articulately tried to explain all of the costs. You're buying up three single family lots. Yeah. 
He's not wrong. He's correct. That's going to cost somebody two million bucks. Just Maybe for, just for the land. Just, just for the land. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's just a half. I'm just thinking of a, of an average home right now is about a half a million. That's three houses on Ruggles Milken. That's a million and a half right up front. And I think Joe's model. I wish he had written it all down and everybody could hand it out, right? <clears throat> like a spreadsheet. But I just want to go back to the staff piece that had it. That's why the three unit piece was missing in our bylaw. Yeah. Because that might be a way to still increase units, gather a little more density. But I think the question before the group is, with MBTA communities, this may not become a reality up here for a long time. That may be okay, too. I'm not saying that that's bad. But I just wanted to point out the triple-decker concept or the three-unit concept, because that does go from mostly, as Brian pointed out, a lot of single-family houses. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie, for reminding us that. I mean, there's, there's all these pieces right that we're trying to put together i think and um it's hard it's sometimes it's hard to remember everything um beth thank you um brian thanks for you guys very helpful um came into the meeting tonight with one thought and now i have a whole bunch of other ones <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do, we we do, do what do we do then jamie um you know, we need to meet the MBA, MBTA communities. Um, and is it the end of this month that we had to put in um, what we plan to do to meet some requirements? Or we have a we have an action plan, which yeah. was really just a timeline, but pretty much that we're going to change zoning before the end of a certain timeline, and then so, that's been done. So, so, so if we met that requirement, we do we technically have another year before we have to make any more milestones, or what's what's our next deadline yeah. for MBTA um, communities? Our, we put down our action plan that by the end of the 2023 calendar year that we would have a submittal to them and you know, they would have approved. So it, in reality, we'd actually have another year after that. But um, if we sit back and we say, oh, we got you know, almost two years to do something, then really nothing will get done for a year and a half. So <laughs> yeah. I think, I'll give them so we so to the end of the 2023 for that purpose. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. But my, I guess my, my kind of question is then um, to think about the vision and knowing that you know we have to do, it's a lot. It's not like we, we can't do anything. We have to do something to meet the NBTA communities. We have to do some sort of zoning. We have to figure it out. Um, it's not like we can just say, don't want to do it. We already have to do it. Yes. Um, so what is the vision? What do we want to see on the Dean House, you know, in the, you know, the downtown areas, the, the R5s? Um, do we want to see larger buildings? In my opinion, um, I'm getting the sense from a lot of people is no. Um, you know, Councilor Carpentillo, do we want to do the bare minimum? I think if you ask some people, their answer, if you're living on Dean Ave, is probably yes. They probably want to see their residential neighborhood stay, um, you know, less dense. But yes, we have to meet that minimum of the, the density requirements of the 15 units. So in my opinion, what are we trying to zone for? I think the MBTA community's requirements of the 15 units that make up. That's my opinion. What everyone else thinks. We all have our own opinions too, and we need to come to some consensus. I can understand. So, do we want to wait two years to make a decision? No. No. But that, that we can agree on. <laughs> I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> no. But 
that's how I feel. You know, I, I did come into the meeting with another thought after the last meeting, and I didn't think we were going to get anywhere. So had another thought about maybe we compromise and you know come up with a, a little bit higher density. But Brian, this this diagram has kind of changed my opinion on that. I think staying with what we have proposed is maybe an option. Um, and looking at the inclusionary zoning, you know, I went off, did a lot of research, found a whole bunch of examples of 10% minimums of, you know, 10 units is a pretty standard requirement for 10 units. And then, you know, thought about three families and thinking maybe I'm okay with, you know, the way it is right now. And, and you know, generals or not, we don't have it, but it, it generals, you know, five um, and commercial one or what is it we're closing, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, general resident one, five, and C, and commercial one. But I think expanding it into single family four, um, you know, even our um, Franklin for All proposal indicates um, looking at it as a, it says, by special permit rather than by right. Personally, I think. You know, if we want to look at general, or I mean, sorry, single family four, maybe it's something we explore a little bit further in the master planning process. You know, as a Franklin for all, really, I think the vision for that was you know, focusing on the commercial one. Um, resident five and GR five. Yeah, I think that just it's, it's a really big zone, so maybe keeping that out of it now. So. So um, just to clarify, your opinion is that we we're, we should be thinking about the MBK community for GR5 and C1. Um, and, well, yes, and, exactly. and that's what's being presented in right, front of us, right? right? And then the three families, I think, is completely separate. But three families, like the next thing. Of, <laughs> just put it all out there right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so. I was going to go to Greg, but Kobe has a clarifying question. Is that okay? Uh, okay. Okay. It's a quick one. Thank you. Um, it, it's my understanding that uh, when we calculate the 15 units per acre, that's units per gross acreage, and gross acreage includes, uh, as this says, uh, all buildable and unbuildable property areas like public roads, ponds, land that a public library sits on public road being the biggest. So my fear is that right, if, we've, if we've just presented 15 units per buildable land parcel, then we end up well under 15. We have to improve the roads. Can I, can I clarify a couple of things? First of all, we have MAPC doing um, the work for us on this site. The RMGIS department is actually um, doing calculations also in parallel. Um, and uh, I have a, a very preliminary draft, Mason, maybe notes if you will say that, and I just wanted to go to one of them. Um, MAPC is thinking that by making uh, the multifamily by right, post or special permit, whatever, basically what we're, uh, we're talking about, they can, we can come up with over 2,400 housing units in those three districts. Okay. And we're required to have 1,883. Right. So I do understand what you're saying. And some of the, for instance, they say the district acre, acre denominator, three, 38 acres. I mean, and then 
parcels are only 31 acres. And I've been, I, I have about 150 questions yeah. for MAKC. <laughs> so, um, but until, until we go through that, next maybe, probably the next meeting we may have, we may be able to present that, some information okay. at that time. Right. But it seems as though that um, we're on target with what we're trying to do, I think, and, and that we will meet their requirements. Um, so, uh, uh, and I guess that's what I really should say right now, is there, uh, as you say, I've got a lot of red marks on the, the whole document that they gave me, which uh, we, need to, we need to discuss in detail. I believe we have, I have a meeting tomorrow with Amy and MAPC, actually. Yeah, that, that was helpful. When you say MAPC, you mean MAPC, not DHCD? This is MAPC, like health. Metropolitan Area Planning Council, our regional planning agency. As a helpful. They're a consultant uh, on the private for all. Um, and um, they have, <coughs> we asked them to do these calculations with us. And, and to, you know, and they, they're more than willing because they they're going to, they're figuring they're going to have about like 100 communities, so they're going to have to do it with us. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're leading the way with that right now. Excellent. That's Thank you, Council Frangillo, for that question. I was going to actually ask that too, and then I was thinking about how we have the downtown commercial in there as well, and that's 20 by right. 20 by right. 20 in, by right, and so we in the upper stories. Yeah, so that's correct. that's yeah. kind of that kind of raises our average a little bit. Um, I was really concerned about that, and I know that you're doing what um, is right. I guess I, I should say. <laughs> um, we, you're trying to do what's right. We don't have all the information, and, um, but I but that's thank you for it, that answer and that question. Um, Greg Rondo. Yeah, actually, I just had a, from the previous meeting. I, I spoke with a few different people, and I guess there was some back and forth on trying to come to a conclusion. We can adjust that 2750 number if we like, right? Yeah, you can adjust it until yeah. it's yeah. so, so as an example, I was just feeling it out. Certain people wanted a lower number, certain people wanted a higher number. Uh, I, I would probably recommend one unit per 2,500 square feet. Comes down on one, comes up on the other, splits the difference for everybody, makes it a little bit more manageable. Um, and then with the units, I, I think we still hold our 10%. Inside, for the inclusion at 10 units as well. Um, those are pretty sound numbers across the state. I, I think those are good numbers to work from. And Brian, yeah, your, your schematic for the layout, I mean, that was spot on. Gives you room for adjustment with this. Um, I think this is definitely a workable plan. And, and if you go in the 2500 range, this plan is still doable. So it, you can make it work, actually. Yeah. If I time potentially two parcels, three parcels together. Mm -hmm. You gotta also remember we're at an artificially inflated real estate market right now. Right. So the numbers are gonna come down. So you're not spending six hundred grand for a house that's valued at three eighty in the real market. You gotta understand that. You know, visionary, five years from now we've been through you know, this town's been through four building cycles already. That number is gonna come down. It's only artificially inflated right now. And the numbers are coming down, interest rates are going up. Construction costs are going up. Guys are going to shop in the pencils. They're paying big money right now, but they haven't paid big money. But a good developer, a good, a good builder will do his numbers first and then approach the board or boards with the, with the project. Projecting the market. 
that's just my take. I've been in the business for almost 40 years, so I, I get it and I see it. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Um, so 2,500 um, per is how many how many units yeah, per acre? 16, 16, 16, 16, 16. Yeah, yeah. For, for that 40,000, it would be exactly uh, 16 units. So you get that one. It's a little bit more than 2250 would be 1 to 2 would keep going. Okay. Okay. Now you can answer my question. I was just going to ask. But, because you brought up a lower number last week. Last game, uh, last week. I said 2,000. That would be that would make 20. Yeah. And Kobe, you said if I recall, 23. He didn't talk about this. He talked about this. I'm just trying to pull this together. Comes with conclusion. I'm with you on this one. You have a. Kobe, I think Kobe, do you have another question? Does anybody have another question or a comment? Kobe, uh, is it possible to share some example to look at some examples of parcels currently existing in Franklin that are denser than 2750? I haven't pulled up. Would it be possible to look at them all together? Is there an easier way to share that? Give him rights to share. That should work. Oh, you, oh, you, I'm sorry. You have, I misunderstood. You have something? I haven't pulled up. Yeah. Do you want, uh, do you want to bring it up? Yes. Sure, if he's on zone. Yeah, it's okay. Sure. I mean, I don't you guys want to see it? Screen. Yeah. 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 Let me get this on zone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You've already been evaluated, Jamie. You're doing good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, he could have stayed home. <laughs> I know. So if there's other, there's other parcels that are that are higher density. Um, does I guess the question is like, do we want all of them to be higher density? Right. That's what Brian. Absolutely. That's what that was Brian's point that he brought up. Oh, Brad has a question too. So while we're trying to do this. Um, why don't you come on up and ask your question? Sure, I'm not yeah, I'm name, address. A lot of pressure. <laughs> you don't want to hear what I really think, but that's a different story. Uh, right on camera, Brad. All right, here we go. Uh, it's okay. You can make right. lots of friends. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah you know, to me. Um, so, Brad Chaffee came from Property Group. So, all the size development that we're talking about, kind of a 10, 12, 15 unit, that's what we do. Um, most of you guys know that. So I think uh, um, what Brian said earlier is something that if you look at what's actually been built, General Residential 5, right? All the units, over how long? We brought up the one that was seven units. That's what we built. So technically right now we have the largest development in General Residential 5 in the history. Maybe the world's smallest pedestal. But, I mean, that's the reality of how hard it is to piece these things together, the sizes of them. So no matter what you change on this, I think you have to stay to the three families and duplexes. That's that's the only that's thing right. that's ever going to be built. That's it, period. That's right. You're never going to see a 15 unit, maybe in 100. Like, so we can change the density and do that. It doesn't make a difference. That's, I mean, that's really the reality. So now you break it down, let's go to downtown, right? Other than Marini, built in 2007, he had like 24 units and maybe 22 units or something. Call it 40 units or 50 units in the downtown. Before him, 
I don't really know other than the same thing. Three families, duplexes have been built. After that, we put up 12. We've permitted 18, and then there was one on Summer Street for, for eight, I think, or nine. So now you're talking 25 units in 15 years, right? And we have most of the, I've been piecing these things together, what's gonna to work out for me, I'll tell you in 15 years, but <laughs> that's how hard that is, right? So we're talking about how many square feet, well, this number's going up. So again, I, I've been the only person that's ever built anything in 15 years down there other than that. So it's that hard, we're just gonna make it harder so we're not gonna get anything. So if that's the plan, then that's all it's gonna do. This is separate from affordable housing. I'm just talking density right now. So I think that's just where I'm struggling is this is so far in between as it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's not, it's like as by right, it's not like you can't go for higher than that. I guess you could ask for anything, right? I mean, I can go to ZBA and, right? I mean, you can, you can ask for anything you want, yeah. right? Um, I, I'm going to go okay, to Beth, yeah. okay? Because she's had her hand up. Yeah. So Beth. Absolutely. Just for clarification, and Brian or Jamie, maybe you can answer this, but it's not a matter of the number we're choosing right now. It's that we have to do this, right? So whether a developer wants to buy parcels in the downtown DC zoning district or C1 or residential five, this zoning is something we're required to do. So whatever number we choose, whether a developer can actually do it or not, is in my opinion, we have to do it regardless because we're the MBT communities is something we have to zone for, right? Through you, yes. But, yes. but, but I mean, the staff proposal at, that we will get a developer to do something, but, but the staff, it's correct. So, the answer to your question is yes. There's, of course, a caveat. What Brad just said is totally true, in my view. Right now, we have mostly you know, mostly, as Brian pointed out before, a lot of single-family parcels. So if you look at the zoning that was proposed, you're offering now a three-family, or because of the five-and-over qualification, you're going to get a lot of duplexes. But I think that as a community where you're balancing this very, very challenging um, environment with development, not only with what Greg just said, which again is completely true about interest rates and costs and risk, but also the emotional feelings that people have. Look right out here along East Central all the way down to downtown, right? Whether it's the one on East Central in downtown or whether it's Taj Estates or across the street, you have three different sized housing complexes there, right? Mm -hmm. So Kobe's shared a screen, but that's why the staff went with the three family, but also the four family now is by right, okay? Which is probably realistic. Both the three family and the duplex models actually could yield some projects and some units, but five or more, you now trigger the inclusionary zoning piece, where if a builder does sharpen the pencils and do the numbers, which I do think that will happen at some point, maybe not in two years or four years or whatever, but eventually markets will change, and maybe you do get a proposal where you can get something more closer to this. I think where the zoning to your question, Beth, right now, and you know, you can do 40 by special permit. Mm -hmm. And the question is, if you go to 20 on this model here, do you want four-story buildings on Dean Ave and Cottage Street? That's a question for all of you and the public in their reaction to the buildings that have gone along East Central Street. So the question then is, do you want to be dealing with special permits between 15 units by right? And 20 or 25 or 30 or 40, which you can now do <laughs> right now, 
So the staff proposal is intended to thread the needle between all of these issues of the, I think there is, there is a portion of the public that is looking to de-densify to some degree for a lot of reasons. But yet you're still increasing density on some of these. You're just doing it at a more incremental pace. And I think the big advantage is, the big part of the zoning that's changed, Beth, is that now those 15 units under this model are now by right. They are not by special permit, which quite frankly is probably, and I'm not gonna speak for Brad or any of the developer, but on the, on the hand, seriously, you're getting 15 units by right, which is no special permit, which is easier for a builder, but you are subjected to the 10% requirement of inclusionary zoning, so you're also providing the community civic thing of having two deeded affordable units. So the real ultimate trade-off in the zoning is that you're now encouraging the three and four family without any affordable complex, which are realistic, and you're also dealing with, you're, you're giving now a buy right under MBTA communities, but you're also trading basically for a 10% affordability requirement, yep. which seems to be a modest step forward for everybody. Thank you. Did I miss anything? <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I the think buy right, rights issue is yeah. extremely important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, you know, nothing as, as Brad was saying, not, nothing is getting developed because any multifamily requires a special permit. Right. So very little is getting done. It's much costlier, obviously, to go through that process. And if you know that you can permit 10 units, 20 units on a certain parcel of land, you know you have that by right, then you do your site plan, you check on the traffic and the safety issues, and then you, you have design review to deal with. But in general, the process is so much easier. But if you say 40 units per acre by right, then you're in a different world. Yeah. yeah. You really are. I think and that's I, what people don't want. Oh, sure. Just had one. Yeah, that has a follow-up point. I understand 100% everything that's being said, but I guess my point is, kind of to Brett, what you're saying is, even if you take the special permit out of it, and you still have to buy the parcels yeah. and combine them, are you still going to see development? No. Is my question. It doesn't and that's make a difference. Point. It doesn't so matter. So regardless of what we choose for a density down there, you still have the same Challenge. hurdle. Yep. That you're still going to have to combine these parcels. That, that's what I'm just trying to say. I'm, I'm not trying to be you know, down here. That it's hard. I think it's hard to pick something that's going to work because, regardless, you're still going to have that hurdle. Same thing. Right? Exactly. That's the change. You've got to remember, you look around surrounding towns, it's, it's already been happening for the past five, ten years. Five, two, three parcels and combine it. You see a lot in the you know, all the yeah. higher ends, they're spending that much more money for that piece of property on the raw end. Now, they were into it for 1.5, 1.6 on the front end per per, per, per piece. They're into it for three and a half million on the front end. Just for the land. And they're making yeah. it work. And that's what Franklin has the same capability, not as, not as much wealth as that, but the return on investment is still there. Mm -hmm. So if they do their numbers and they sharpen the pencil, the numbers will because they know they're going to get it on the back end. Hopefully we pick the right number. That's, well, I that's think why I'm thinking the compromise <coughs> of the 25 come, you know, come down come so, up a little bit and split the difference and we move forward. Yeah, I, I, I like that, Greg. I think like one of the things I think about is that through the Franklin for All project, we found that people like Brad's building, 
that has the 12 units in it in the commercial, right? I mean, people like that look. That is okay with most people. They want the two, they want the two, three family, four family house, housing unit that we've already talked about. Those are the kind of things that people want. Um, and and I just forgot my other train of thought. But um, but it's and it is difficult. I know that Brad's the only one that's actually built these things down there. And it and it, I think our purpose is to create more, maybe not affordable as, it, but more medium income. And if it costs too much for the builder to build something, then those units are gonna be very costly to the people who, who are gonna live in them. And that's, you know, we wanna have a, a more, um, more, more different stock of, of housing. And so that's one of the things we need to think about too. Um, but I agree that we need to we need to move on the um, on the META community because we need the MassWorks grants to get other stuff done here in Franklin. Um, but um, I think Councillor Jones had a no. Oh, Bruce. Sorry, Bruce. Brad took the time to come. Is it okay to ask him a question? Oh, is that okay with you, yeah, Brad? Right. Yeah. Tell come us on. how that commercial works out in those pounds you built uptown. Doesn't work great. Doesn't work at all. No. Right. <laughs> uh, I guess if you're getting to the point, Mr. Anchard, as far as mixed use goes, with that thing, in today's climate, we, it's very difficult. It's small business, right? Which is leading of all downtowns. So, which is very challenging. So, I would say the one we have with the Allstate, I'm actually in the process of renting that out right now. And it has been a challenge because of COVID and stuff like that, but it's, it's all small business based, small. Um, square footages, mom and pop, which is great. We need that. It's very important downtown. But that's also very challenging. Yes. Um, and we have to work that into our development to make us get into better zoning. Because I believe in down, uh, C1, we have to look for general residential five unless it's mixed use. So now you're pushing that unit that's very difficult to rent on the market, which is necessary, but it's not at my discretion as part of that trade-off. But I think the units are important. So maybe that's something, I guess, if you're going with that, that's something we don't, maybe we can take that component out of that and allow it to be more multifamily here instead of having that mixed use. When we get to that zone. Yeah, sorry. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's a good point. I, yeah. Look, no, I just wanted yeah. to get it out there. Yeah, it's quite yeah. difficult. Part of the growth of the downtown was the mixed use percentage that we were all aiming for. Yes. The right. thing was, it's true. Yeah get the downtown to get revitalized. Right. That's what it's all about. Yep. Now, we, we see these projects come through in the very small area in the commercial. Maybe enlarging the square footage on the first floor deck so you can get somebody else in. So you're not limited to one particular tenant that only fills up 500 square feet. Get it into the 1,000, 1,500, 1,800, so maybe a little bit larger firm with three or four people can actually utilize that space too. So it's another option, that's all. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> I'm looking around like anybody pulled up. Oh, um, so Kobe pulled up his photo, his pictures of. So what is this? Is yeah, so higher is, density? Yeah, all of these units that we're about to look at are. For, <coughs> I'm honing in specifically on this number of no more than one dwelling unit per x number of square feet per lot area. And these are all, I believe there are 93 parcels that are downtown that are denser than uh, 2750. And 
they're not that scary. Uh, and I, you know, this is this is my best understanding with with less tools than the planning department. Uh, but these are homes that you drive by uh, every day. Do you know what the density is in those homes? I know that they're between 2750 and 2000 because we'll get to the 2000. What district is that we're looking at right now? Yeah, these are all relatively downtown. So you got so this one's GR five, right? That's behind DCD. That's Alpine. Uh, Garfield is GR five as well. Uh, Worsted might be SR five. Uh, or sorry, single. Uh, yeah. But they're all they're all within those downtowns with the exact parcels that were Doctor <coughs> Street. Mm, I don't. I do think that this is helpful in terms of you know this is this is less than twenty seven fifty. This is what we're talking about uh, when we're talking about less than twenty seven fifty. Okay. That's a five. A clarification. Yeah. Come on. S sorry, I'm going to take the mic over. Just a clarification. Um, since we're increasing. The actual square footage you need, you know, decreasing the density. Does that get rid of the special permit and allow it to be by right now? Is that the trade-off for it? Yeah. yeah. Essentially. Just wanted to make sure. Yes, Brian. Yeah. You get yes. a special permit beyond. Yeah. I do. I do think that's that's key. So this is, we still are going to be allowing projects on, on special cases beyond that, but we do want to welcome good viable products and not make it more difficult uh, to build. So that's we're calling. What what are we allowing by right? Are we okay with a, with a building like this being built by right in Franklin? I am. Uh, that provides housing units uh, to people like me uh, within walking distance of our downtown, supports our businesses, it provides more revenue uh, to the town, and it's a beautiful building. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I found this helpful in terms of understanding what these look like. And then I pulled up some that are dense the 2,000, and they're still not that scary. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, Jamie, go ahead. Thank you, Madam Chair. I guess I'm confused. I don't think anyone's scared of these. I think people are scared of that. I think that the fourth floor on top of that is what people are scared about. Yeah. So what you're showing, Councilor Frangillo, is actually closer to what the staff proposal bylaw was intended to do, which is to basically say three and four families, yes, which is basically, I think, what's being shown, mostly. You know, I, I can't tell exactly, you know, I can't tell, right? Um, and I understand the setbacks maybe are not or as much, maybe that's what you're referencing, but I guess that's what we're trying to encourage. So I think I'm seeing heads bob, so I'm guessing we all agree. <laughs> so this parcel that we're looking at, this is on Main Street. Right. That's denser than 2,000 uh, square feet per unit. Councilor if you look at the assessor's card with the address, you can see how many units it is. Do you have that information to understand? I do, yeah, and I can, I can get those numbers up. If you have, if you have questions about any specific one, I can, I can pull them up quick. I just don't want to, I'm sharing my screen, so I don't want to well, jump around. These are probably five, 10,000 square foot blocks. Maybe four or five units. Yeah, right. Right. So this is the exact type of house that was presented, but you might not need, you know, if you have a minimum uh, 
you know, you might not get a 40,000 square foot lot, but we might still like that very building, even on a smaller lot, because they happen, they exist all around us, and they are part of what we love about our downtown. And it's why I feel comfortable bringing the number, the buy right number, much less than 2750. I'd be okay with 2500, but I would prefer a 2000 square foot. Again, this is even denser than what I'm saying right now, and I still think that these are exact types of units that we would want to allow uh, in our downtown. But I feel like it's helpful to visualize you know, what um, some of these are. That's the 2000. I was just gonna I, yeah I, I think um, this is by right right it's not like they can't can't go denser I think we had there's other things we want to we want to um, work on as well but I think this is a really good start and we're actually at a point now where maybe we all agree that it should be 2500 Right. I was. I'll make a motion on the uh, improvement of 2,000 square feet. Uh, well, second. All right, there's a second discussion. Make a motion to make it 2,500. It's an equal compromise. Yeah, we have to go through this first. There's a motion made in a second. We have to go through the discussion and approve or disapprove the motion first before we take a second. Okay, is there any other discussion? That's what I said. No? So the two thousands on the floor. What this is? We're just talking square footage. We're not talking about the percentage. That's right. Yeah, okay. Just footage. What? What? what say? Can you finish that? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's talking about the ten percent. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> 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 you guys have already voted on that. We didn't vote on that. Okay. All right. So there is a motion and a second for two thousand. Right? Square feet per unit. Square feet per unit. All right, so we're going to vote on that. All right? Aye. All in favor? Aye. No. 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 All right, so we'll wait, there's two ayes. I think you should roll call. Roll call? Should we roll call it? Are you going to write it down? I am. Okay. Hunter? Yes. Rondo? No. Wheeling? No. Sheridan? Yes. Frangelo? Yes. Jones? No. Uh, chair, no. Three, four. Three, four. Three, four. Fail. Fail. Okay. Oh. All right. Make a motion that we're going to 2250 square feet. You're beating me to it. Yes. I'm going to move this a long time. I know. I know. 2250. From a thousand square feet to uh, 2250, but knowing that they don't have to go for a special permit, that will uh, lighten the load. Right. So this is yep. just by right. It doesn't mean you can't go higher. 
or, or left, or higher, right? Yeah. Higher. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I like say I say it backwards. Um, okay, so this would be by right. Um, all right, uh, Hunchar. Yes. Mondo. No. Merlin. No. Sheridan. Yes. Frangillo. Yes. Jones. Yes. Chair. Yes. Okay. One down. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break. <laughs> and uh, okay, so. All right, so. Now. Could I uh, ask Bruce. for clarification on something? Yeah. I mean, Just not Brian. Brian I'm sorry. I, know, you know, I need some water. Right. Hold on. That's with a B. You were close. So if. if Based on a 43,560 square foot acre, that's 19.4 units per acre. Okay, up to that point. After that, it would be by special permit. Um, is that for general residential five only, or C1 also? I thought we were just talking about general sure. residential five. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm clarifying. Well, know. that's what the memo here says we're talking about. It's my understanding that it was number. It was note three. Right. Which is GR5 C1. Uh, oh, C1 also. Yeah, just GR5 and C1, but not the C1. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it's my understanding it's GR5 and C1. Okay. That's what is I'm that correct, Brian? Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I'm clarifying. I just want to make sure. Okay. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> Next. Where, where, where are we now, Jamie? <laughs> so, are we? Does the does the does the EDC plus do they think that this use table, as currently drafted, should be moved to the council? Or are we still discussing the framework and the numbers that are in the book? Yeah, I think we are. I think we are still discussing. Yeah. Can we still um, uh, Coverage isn't on this. Okay. But that I have that here. <laughs> that that's my that I think that will probably be maybe an EDC thing. Um, but I think what we need to do is talk about um, note four. Is that correct? Yes. Does everybody agree with me on that? Four. Note four is next. That's another thing we talked about last time. We couldn't quite agree on, and we were really close. Um, so that is all multifamily development with, now it says five or more housing units, um, and that number is what we, um, we want to discuss. Yes, this is for inclusionary zoning. Okay. I would like to propose through the chair um, changing that number um, to 10 or more housing units. I'd like to make a motion that we change all multifamily developments with 10 or more housing units are required to address the affordable housing requirements in section 185 51. Okay, we have a motion second. and a second. 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 Does it mean that you don't have to do it at five? You wait till you get 10 and then right. right. 10. 10. Yes. 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 Yeah. I, I never agreed with that. Five, the fifth one happened. Ten, ten, ten at ten. Ten at ten. Ten at ten. It's yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, so after yeah. the ninth one, I built the tenth one, it's got to be four. Yeah. Um, Jamie? Three,
I just want to make sure that everybody is aware that it's unlikely to get 10. So people will avoid the 10% requirement and they'll do eight, nine, seven, six. This isn't a, this isn't a critique, this isn't an insult. Yeah. It's just simply acknowledging that if you're trying to build deeded affordable units on the inclusionary zoning bylaw, okay, and 10, by the way, is a common number in a lot of bylaws. I'm not, you know, this is not uncommon among a lot of cities and towns. Mm -hmm. Just want to point out, if you're trying to increase affordable housing stock downtown in GR5, you are unlikely to get the result anytime soon. What Thank would you, you suggest as a number then? Five or more. And the reason why I suggest it is, is because you have the triple decker in here, theoretically, assuming everybody's comfortable with that. You have the four family in here, which Kobe just showed us some of those parcels in downtown. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't say six might be a good number, seven might be, I just want to raise the issue so the committee is aware. So that when you start seeing eight unit buildings pop up on 20,000 square feet and no affordability kicks in, people know that you know that dynamic is very is very real. How likely? I don't know. Hypothetical? I obviously don't know. If I could predict the future, I wouldn't be sitting here. But but in all seriousness, I think that's a conversation, Brian. I don't know if you have any thoughts. I just want to make sure people are aware, yeah. so, so that later on, if the unintended consequence comes, everyone is aware. Or if the <laughs> questions come up later at another planning board or council meeting, you know, the folks are aware. Having gone through the process we went through the last round here um, and seeing that we got nowhere with getting a number here, right. I'm perfectly happy sticking with the five, but it seems as though nobody was going to ever go anywhere with five. That 10 seems like something people are linked to hybrid. Yeah, that's why I'm presenting 10. Um, would love to stick with the five. Yeah. But I think if we want to get something somewhere, maybe 10 is the way to go, or maybe eight. If somebody wants to make a motion to change to eight, anybody willing to do that? Amend it? Uh, I was thinking eight myself. Again, make an amendment to it for eight? Yeah. Withdraw your motion, just make the motion for eight. Right. I would draw the motion. There you go, Ben. Was there a no. second? Find it. I have to do it first. I would draw myself. Okay. <laughs> make a motion. Wow. Now, now you're going to withdraw your motion for 10. Okay. It's back to an open. Okay, so now we have to make a motion for all multifamily developments with eight or more housing units. Well, I hate to be rude, but Council from Jill had a saying prior to the motion. Yes. Sorry. It's okay. His hands up all night. No, it's okay. It's okay. I was going to vote. I was going to. Sorry. Yeah, my thoughts. That's not rude. That's not rude. That's helpful. Um, my clerk's you're being helpful. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Um, Kobe. Yeah, so uh, there was a survey done in 2019 of uh, inclusionary zoning policies across Massachusetts. At the time, there were 140 municipalities with inclusionary zoning. 60% of those communities created zero new affordable units. Why? Because if you start with a number too low, then it's not that they get built one in five, that five unit just never gets built. I would rather have more units built. Either way, you're getting no affordable under 10. 
I would rather have more units built than to uh, hold everyone hostage and lose out in the end. This is why we sat down with the developers and actually calculated what it is that made a project financeable. The number is much, much closer to 1820. I would be okay with 16. I'd be maybe okay with 12. I'd be pushing for 10 because I'd be really worried about losing the very types of projects that we all disagreed uh, we want to encourage downtown. It would be entirely the wrong direction to go beyond that and be just like all these other communities that just got no new affordable units and just froze uh, development uh, in their downtown. Uh, Councillor Councilor Jones. What was open for a motion or something? Make a motion. Uh, well, uh, no, no, no. Colin, he, he, uh, that was part of the discussion. There's no motion on the table. You can open up any motion. <coughs> to the chair to determine yeah. how yeah. she wants to. Um, so, so one of the things I, I just wanted to reiterate is that um, through the Franklin for All project, we found that people really like things like that are 12, up to 12, maybe even more. They just don't know it, that they like them. They like that building up the birch that holds the Birchwood Bakery, and that I mean maybe that has 20 in it. I don't I don't really I don't know, but I know that people like that building, and that is okay with them in the downtown area and C1. Um, and so I look at inclusionary zoning as a tool to get the kind of buildings that we want to see built. Um, don't take this personally, Brad. But um, I think that builders are, a lot of times think of inclusionary zoning as a punishment against them, um, and and they don't want it, and they're they're not they're not going to want to do it. So um, I agree that it, I think I don't think it should be five because I want to see up to eight, nine, maybe even ten units built down there. I want more built. Um, because we need to, we just need places for people to live and so we don't want to stagnate we don't want to stagnate our new growth we really need to have growth so that we have revenue um, and so this is really a tough tough number to pick right um, but I also want to remind everybody that if it does stagnate things we can change it I mean that's the beauty of Franklin's government is that we can actually meet and say okay this wasn't right, you guys. We got, we made, like, it's too re restrictive. It's not restrictive enough. Whatever it is, we can change it. Um, and so that's kind of what's going on in my brain right now. But um, I'm going to call on Councilor Jones so that um, he can say what he's thinking. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. It's, I too have been in construction for over 35 years. It, when it comes down to the affordability, the, affordability, the affordability part of this, in other words, having one unit out of 10, or having one unit out of five, or having one unit out of 16, or whatever the number is, it, developers are going to do their best, and I kind of echo Councilor Fringello's point on this, is, count, uh, is that developers are going to do their best to, to stay below that threshold. Why? Because they're just simply not going to make any money. They're, they're going to do their best to avoid having to reach that limit where it's going to, it's going to start to have to incorporate that, that inclusionary zoning aspect. It, it, it's not really so much of the policy as we set as it is how much 
the developers, A, can afford, and B, they want to make off of these projects. And I agree with you in the sense that I would like to see some building built. But if we set it to five, we're never going to see a five-unit building downtown. If we set it to 16, the likelihood of seeing a 16-unit building is also likely. I think we do need to stay relatively middle ground around the 10, because 10 is kind of the standard 10% affordable of most things we've been doing, and just stick with that number. And if we do find out down the road that that 10% is either too high or too low, <clears throat> based on what's being developed and based on what the developers want to do, we can make that change. But for now, as part of just simply A, moving things along, and B, coming up with what's been the standard, I think 10% sounds like a reasonable thing. Because 16, 5, 10, all right, if you, if you want, I'll make it 11. That sounds really cool. <laughs> but we need, to, Is that a motion? we need to make, no, I'm going to make a motion for that. <laughs> and just leave the 10. We did in the so second close. Um, there was no second in on best eight. There's no second so on best eight. Kobe, so yes. I, I second the 10 units. We second the 10. So the 10% at 10. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it, it, my point would be that we went from 10 and I, was gonna, and I wrote down eight to make it feasible. You also have to bear in mind the parcels of property you're thinking about the building. Right. So you may not get a 15 unit or a 20 unit on some of these parcels, but yet you still want some affordability in there. So that's why I said maybe the eight could trigger some of these parcels to get redeveloped with affordability factor built into it. You go much higher, you have to go search out larger parcels to make it work. Mm -hmm. and, and to your point, Jamie, they're gonna dodge it no matter what in terms of whether it's 15, 20, 30, they're going to stay below that level. So I think a compromise, like my friend is saying, 8 or 10, and I'm, I'm in greens with the 10 minutes as we originally started. Okay. Is there any discussion on the, the motion in the second for 10? I got a question. After the 10, where does the second one come in? On number 20? Or are you going to go back to you more than halfway? 15. I think it's 15. I think it's 15. More 15. Than halfway. Well, who, did it? who decides it? Who made that? The bylaw. Mass. The, the one that you voted on and everybody voted on to move to the council had it in there, the, the round up. Okay. Yeah. And it would round down too if it was 14. Right, right so, four, so up to 14, 14 units, would still you'd be have one. one. Right. Yeah. Um, Brad, would okay. you like, do you want a quick, quick, quick comment? I want to make this quick. So, the problem is when we blanket this, you have rentals and you have sales, mm -hmm. right, for multifamily. Those are very, very different worlds. So I'm gonna talk about sales. The 12 unit I built downtown, those are condos, people buy those. The 17 I have approved that I'm gonna build next to that, those are condos are for sales. 10%, so 12, it's one unit, 1.2, right? That project doesn't move forward, simple as that. The difference is the, pre the, the sale price that you get from the state into what you can sell for, for location, for what the amenities are in the units. Brian mentioned this in a couple meetings ago. People will pay for that. The state doesn't recognize that. It's based on bedrooms, right? So if I sell a unit for 650 grand or six, and I get 350, that's it. If I get 700, 800, because people love it, and we put more in and we build everything as beautiful as we can, it doesn't matter, right? That crushes the project, because you, you might have to buy a better piece of land. And they say, hey, I can get more units. Oh, I gotta pay 800 for that piece of land now, because it's in the middle of downtown, perfect location. 
but I can't get it because I'm locked on those units. You're lucky to go through those projects and make it on a unit or a half a unit. That's what you're lucky. So you take that away, it's dead. The unit number is too small. So now that next one, I go up to 18 or 17, it's two units, doesn't go forward. So that's real life, that's for sale. Rents is, I can have a different discussion about rentals, but we're blanketing this whole thing. And if ownership in the downtown, I can tell you people that live there, they live down there, they walk their dogs down there, they're part of the community, and I've had one person out of those 12 for other medical circumstances leave, everyone else in two years loves it, staying there. They go to Florida, they come back, they do stuff, that's what you want in a downtown. You do this with, a, with affordable, and it's blanketed across all multifamilies. You're, you're, you're never gonna see it, you're never gonna see one. You won't get it financed. They just don't make that much. And everyone's gonna blast you for saying that, because I'm saying that's the bottom line. That's why they haven't been built to begin with. So I know you guys have to come a number, and it's an umbrella you're putting over multifamilies, which is the unfortunate part. I don't know if you can separate them, but I don't know if you can, but that's the sad part of it. So if I had to pick a number and I'm up here deciding one, I'm gonna be more on that 20 side, and you're still gonna have two units out of that, and you're probably still not gonna get it. So you're gonna have to have land value come way down. Something has to give. And that's not gonna happen, because the house values in Franklin, it's a beautiful place to live. The house is worth more than that. That's all I have to say. Jamie, the architect that we voted, the definite voter, on about the council approval? Uh, yeah, it's not. Okay, so they go hand, the two things go hand in hand. I understand there's some parts of it that could be done separately, but the 10% piece that was in the inclusionary zoning bylaw that moved forward, you know, obviously relates to the use table of the quantity of units, to Brad's point. Um, Beth. Response to Brad's comment: How does something along the lines of a payment, or in lieu of work? So if if the developer doesn't want to develop that unit, can we do something along the lines of him paying into a house affordable housing fund? So that's a great question. Um, so the so Brad just said something I think a minute ago among many things that are really important. But he said something of, something's got to give, right? And I think that's an illustrative point. Who gives something? What is something to give? Who gives up to get two out of 20 affordable units? How does a builder either get it financed, lose profit, encouraged about a project? This is ultimately, that's ultimately where the roads all align. And so <coughs> is there public assistance available? I mean, that's a much more complicated discussion, but there very well may be. Maybe the Healy Driscoll administration comes out with some more housing ideas. Maybe it's the Community Preservation Act. Maybe it's the Affordable Housing Trust in town. Maybe there's some other mechanisms in which to do that. But what ultimately is, in the 40% of the 40Bs that we were talking about a moment ago, of inclusionary, well, yeah, the 60% didn't do anything. But for the 40% who did get a housing unit out of that, where would they be today without that opportunity? This is the really challenging part of the debate, right? We have to look at Brad and say, or somebody, because he's here, you know, <laughs> and, he's, and I'm really, really proud and, and happy he's stepping up and commenting on this. I think yeah. we want this publicly. I think, I w again, I wish I had Joe's, you know, the whole list right in front of me. He said it Me publicly. too. But it was such a great model. But everybody, if you're creating a diverse housing stock for a community, if you're trying to have non-market-based situations happen, which is what we've always led to, and I'm a pure market on housing, like I, 
I think a lot of this will come down, as Greg said. Somebody, everybody's got to kind of break a little <laughs> to realize that, you know, developers are going to avoid these numbers. They are punishments. There's no question about it. Developers may have to make a little less money. <laughs> um, you know, we're so scared of all this stuff. And it's, it's very challenging to sit here and say, and I, I admitted it a minute ago, I don't know, 8, 6, 20, 50. Um, Brad's right, sales and rentals are different. Uh, we can peel the onion back another layer and see if we can try to say, well, if it's a condo, it's this, and if it's a rental, it's this. But, but at the end of the day, I think some of, we, we might be missing a little bit of what's also important, which is there's no affordable housing, there's nothing being built, there's very little, and there's no guarantee of any affordable units. Because as Brad pointed out, Joe pointed out, everybody, the market's going to dictate this. And one thing I would disagree with Greg really quickly is, yeah, prices may come down at some point. I think we all want to avoid the Great Depression, uh, too. But this is a really appealing community. Housing prices ain't going to go down. So for Kobe or anyone else that's looking for a unit, it's still like kind of like your bleep out of luck. Because ultimately, there's no rule that is going to force anyone to do anything. And we're all going to avoid the inconvenient truth until finally, Maybe the market crashes so hard, and I don't think any of us want that. Um, thank you, Jamie. I think there's also another piece to this that we've kind of forgotten, is the housing production plan and um, all of the um, incentives that are in there, the potential for a developer to put a um, affordable unit in a different place. Um, and, and that all these um, incentives that Brian put together, um, so those are there as well. Um, and and I think we've forgotten that, right? Because that those are there, and um, the, I don't think we should um, think that. You know, we're not trying to. We're not. We we're trying to make sure that we have things built, right? So so that that's the hard part, but. Um, I just want people to remember that the housing production plan has things in there just for that, for somebody like like um, Brad. I, I don't want to pick on you, Brad, but you're here. So and I thank you for, I thank, I thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to go to Greg. So I just, I just want to take to Jamie's comments and, and Brad's. I guess my point of dealing with the market, when you go look at a piece of property, you don't outright buy it. You tie it up in a P&S. You let the owners of that particular property know that you have to go to planning board, you have to go to zoning. There are certain conditions that you have to meet in order for that parcel to, to come together. Mm -hmm. But it's on the front end that that needs to be done. So the financial aspect of it can be met on the negotiations on the front end. With the home, with the landowner saying, "Look, I can only get 10 units here." Press planning board as an example. I can't get the 15 that I was projected. I can't pay you this month, this kind of money for it. Either you're going to accept this offer, or we're going to have to move on. But it's on the front end of the negotiations that's going to determine these parcels are going to come are going to come together. If you create a hardship for yourself. You just put yourself between a rock and a high place, projecting 15, 20 units when the when the zoning board or the planning board says, no, you only get 12. Hard luck 
that you got to meet the rules and regs. So I think the homework on the front end has to be done, and that'll dictate whether these fossils have to come together. Evidently, you have mining property land. Well, Bruce, you, <laughs> you, tie That's, you tie it up. Well, I mean, yeah, you can tie anything up, but there's only a certain amount of time it takes so long to get but, through. But you put it, you put that in your PNS. It doesn't always work. Hard. Okay, well, all right, you guys, because that's kind of. Um, but, I think that's sort of like a, like a um, best practice sort of thing, but that's not. I don't what I'm saying, it, be, it can become an affordable project if it's if it's bought that way. Right. So have a little fluff on the other That's all. I get it. I get it. Thank you. Thank you for that. <sighs> okay. There's a motion. The motion is 10. There's a motion for 10. And there was a second. And there was a second. Right. So Brian has a question. <laughs> that was, we were, we were discussing that. <coughs> Brian. Regarding um, um, the type of density we're talking about and the percent uh, portals and everything. Um, the, the development concept I threw up there at 40,000 square feet, just split the parcel in half and you have 20,000 square feet, 100 uh, feet of frontage for a minute, okay? On 20,000 square feet, at your newly proposed, was 2,250? 2,250. 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, you can get, what, 8.89 uh, 8. units or something like that. So it's nine units of housing on 20,000 square feet, okay? Um, and you don't have any affordables in it, okay? So that, is that good or bad? It probably depends on, on whether you're looking for affordable housing <laughs> or, or not. But I just thought I'd throw that out there. It, 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 that GR5 is a 10,000 square foot minimum lot. Most of them, half of them aren't that big. But, <laughs> but to develop something like this, you'd have to have at least 10,000 square feet. So, um, uh, you know, the, the density, you're making a little bit denser, that's fine. And if you're going, uh, you're gonna keep pushing up the affordable, when that kicks in, with all of the small parcels in the downtown where you have to pull, pull together, you're probably never gonna get affordable housing at all in the GR5 if you, you keep doing that. Or you not, I should say never, but chances are very slim that's gonna happen. And you could have, on a half an acre, eight or nine units of housing on a fairly regular basis, people put piece some parcels together and, and, and do that. So just throwing it out there, vote any way you want. It's all, it's all up to you guys to do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. I just think that everybody should be aware of what you're actually voting for. Yeah. You're voting for a, a denser downtown, essentially, than uh, a denser neighborhoods around the downtown mm -hmm. than what we were originally proposing. And you're voting for less affordable units overall in town than what we were proposing also. So um, that's what you want to do, go for it. Okay, let's vote. Um, thank you, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think we, I think we know that. I think we know that. And um, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a balance, right? How, how, how could we change that 15 to, to 20? Because you didn't, it hasn't been adopted yet. What do you mean? Well, he said, <coughs> excuse me. He said if we voted to up, up, when it hits five, you got to build an affordable. So if you're building, if we're going to approve 10, that means when they hit the 15, they're going to have to build another one. But if you go 10% to 10 units, 
It should be 10 and 20, not 15. Oh, oh, okay. You mean in the bylaw? Yeah. You mean in the bylaw? Yeah. Well, that's so. So one of the things I think everybody needs to remember is that these are gonna there's there's gonna be public hearings about these. Um, they're gonna go to the the planning board. Then they're gonna come back to the town council. Everybody's gonna have another chance to talk about it. I think the and then it probably even might even go to the uh, master plan committee, and so that we. I think we, I, you know, I don't expect this to be written in stone. And so I just want people to remember that, that um, I, I expect more debates about this. I, you know, I, I'm not sure that it has to be etched in stone. I just think that we, we've talked about this for a long time. And we really need, I, I feel like we're so close to agreeing. So and, and I think maybe we should, maybe we should just vote. Yes. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you, Beth. All right, so we're going to vote. You ready? Yeah. Jamie's going to run it down. We're voting on 10. Bruce? Yes. Greg? Yes. Beth? Say present. I'm getting more of an opportunity to discuss at a public hearing through the planning board. I'll go with um, no. No. Okay. So we have one no so far. Uh, Patrick? No. Kobe? Yes. Yes. Jones? Chair says yes. Okay. No, it wasn't successful. Yes. All right. So, um, so then, so the rest of I am assuming that the rest of the use schedule is okay with everyone. No. Just gonna say I know there's there's other things we need to discuss. <laughs> so. Was that a joke? No. No. Oh, you did have other issues. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. I, yes. well, I heard you no. correctly. No, there. Are, we it never. It sounded even... like you were going on the next agenda item. No. I was like, I didn't know. No, I know I was gonna, but I, I, then I was like, oh no, we, we actually there are other th issues that that um, we didn't even get to talk about last time about the three family, yep. I believe, um, and Beth has some questions, uh, and then I think we probably I think we have the same questions. You go first. Uh, for the three family, um, I understand the concept of by right in DC, C1, and GR5. Totally okay with that. No issues there. Um, but I think it's in DC, right? Yes. Um, but I would propose removing the line for it in a single family residential for by right. Um, our Franklin Farrell information indicates um, under recommendation um, special five uh, create new definition and a code for three family and allow use by right in commercial one and general residential five and potentially by special permit in single family four districts. Um, so if we're going to consider it by 
special permit in residential four. You know, it's something I think I'm, I'm okay considering, but um, right now, if I write in residential four, I think it's a significantly large zoning district to be considering by right. Um, uh, it's, you know, varying densities throughout that area. I understand that, you know, we do currently have some three families already in there. However, um, I just think by special permit, it's, it's more the way it should be versus by right. Or just take it out altogether right now. Look at it a little bit further. Does anyone have any other questions, uh, comments about what Beth just said? <coughs> Um, what was that, Bruce? Can you just? I don't have any problem even with the way through. Because from reading it, I need 125% of square foot area for a single family home. So it's going to be bigger than a normal GI4 lot, correct? Um, a single family resident four lot? Yeah. Yeah, it has to be 25% greater mm -hmm. than a single dwelling to have um, a three family mm -hmm. and a two family. I do. Um, Greg, do you have any any thoughts on that? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, um, Councilor Sheridan. Yeah, I like the way it is. I like the three family the way it is now. Yeah, uh, um, use on the use schedule. Yeah. Okay. Can I also ask then if we're going to leave it as it can we address the definitions that are in our zoning bylaw so they're consistent because the current definition for the single family residential floor does not address having three families. It talks about two families only um, and that the neighborhood um, character residential field for a single family residential floor should be for single family homes. Um, yeah, and also it does, doesn't it say a little bit about a small commercial as well in there? I don't think so. No, it's before. Okay. No. I was going to say, I looked them up <laughs> after you mentioned that to me the other day. Um, <coughs> Councilor Frangelo. Yeah, uh, I think it's a, a great point. There's something that I, I thought at the beginning is I think it's time for us to update. Um, that we call the single family residential floor, a very downtown uh, dense where we have a lot of other family units. Uh, maybe it's time to call that general residential floor, and I would be fully uh, in favor of that. Um, again, this is the exact type of uh, area that we want to be slightly uh, upzoning, slightly allowing for more units. The shift from one to three units uh, is not drastic. It happens all the time currently in that area, and we just want to make those <coughs> more welcome. Uh, it's a brand new general residential uh, Brand new, uh, three, uh, whatever, triple family, uh, beautiful on five Wachusett, right in the corner of Wachusett and Cottage. That's exactly uh, the type of thing that we'd be uh, allowing by right. Fully in favor of allowing by right, and I would also be in favor of making that uh, general residential before um, we want to make that a separate conversation. Okay, thank you. I'm <coughs> through you. Beth, well, hold Sorry, right. okay. All right, Jamie. So what I'm hearing is just to clarify, so you're just trying to change the title of the term of the residential. I think yeah. there is a description somewhere. Is it there. So there is single a description. family residence to general yeah. residence, is yeah. that? Under definitions right. of our zoning districts, the definition itself should be updated to reflect what we're changing for mm -hmm. 
residential four. So it's not. Okay. I, don't care I think Brian's just looking for the definition. You don't have yeah. to change the name of the zoning district. Oh, that's what I thought was being proposed. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. We change the title. Just make it all like this is general residential. Yeah. I think that is a little bit more complicated, though, because then you're going to have to change a whole lot of differences. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think that's a separate conversation. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah, if I it think was the title of it, I was going to say do it now. If it's like substantively changing all the definitions and going through the whole code, I was going to say, you know, don't. Okay. We're saying two different things. Got it. Yeah, there's two different things. That. I'm not saying change the name of the zoning district because you're going to change a whole lot in your zoning bylaw. Right. What I'm saying is your definition in your zoning tape is not going to match what you're proposing here. So, but I'm also saying is that your single family four zoning district is pretty large area. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Um, I don't disagree that there's some areas that probably having three families makes sense, but I'm not sure this entire area really is, makes sense. That's all I'm saying. Just me. Brian, about the, the description? Well, the description, I, I, I agree that the description of um, single family residential three, single family residential four, um, is really residential, very little commercial, which essentially is what it is now. Um, but it does not really um, say multifamily is allowed and three families allowed, things like that in the definition itself. Um, you want to change that down the road, we can do that, or we can, you know, take the uh, take the yes with the two note out of there and just say special permit. I mean, or a planning board special permit, maybe, or something along those lines. But I think uh, that, from from my perspective, when you change it to by right, that's a whole different set of planning board rules. Because now you're going to the planning board for a site plan. It's it's just changing things if you're doing it by right. And I think it makes more sense in a single family residential four. I'm not saying for general single five C one or where you're proposing it there by right. That makes sense. Single family residential four, the character of that area, to me, if you're going to make it by right, it's more of a commercial use, in my opinion, for, for a three family. When you're looking at you're looking at parking now, you're looking at lighting, you're looking at different aspects of something by making it a three family, throwing it under multifamily. That's a whole other category. And I guess I understand you need a greater lot size you would need in a regular single family four, but you're changing what you're doing to go through the process of getting that third unit on your, your apartment. I just think that <coughs> you're changing what is intended in that zoning district according to our, our current bylaws. And if you're going to do that, you need to change that definition as well. So I think if you're going to, if you're going to add this footnote and you're going to add it by right, then you need to change that definition too. Or make it by special permit as our nice uh, Franklin for all has recommended. I think they need to make it a special permit. Yeah. Yeah, so Greg, can you like talk a little bit louder into your mic? I don't know if anybody. I, I, no, I, I, I mean, agree I th with Beth. I think you'll leave it with a special permit that will have um, a little more control over it, rather than just everything's by right. 
So I, I just want I just want to like let people know that so like this is this is uh, maybe Brian can clarify. This is actually allowing three families in uh, our three housing unit building in single family residential four that had, that it, which is new. So it does it's not like allowed there anyways. Correct, okay. So if we allow it by special permit, then that would make it so that then the planning board would have the ability to say if things fit in that neighborhood. Is that, that's what you guys are saying, right? Okay. In part of that is keeping the character of that particular street or, or that neighborhood that you're also looking at. And that special permit can help maintain right. the integrity that you're working for. Yeah, yeah, I, get, I, I understand. I know that you guys talked about single-family resident four before that it's really a big zone um, it, and um, I know that you have those concerns so um, I think Bruce has his hand up yeah multi-family would be two or more but under two they can do that by right yeah if they go to three uh, now you may even get a special permit but they also need site plan approval from the planning board as also so that the planning board is going to get a bite of the apple whether you make it a special permit I can make it easier by right with a special, you know, with a site plan approval because more than two units needs a site plan approval from the uh, planning board. Yes, can you just comment on that? But yeah, because yeah, I was going to ask a question, but why don't you comment? Sorry, and Attorney Sorrell is here, but it's my understanding Attorney Sorrell, when something's by right with the planning board, it's very hard to deny that. And there's not much you can do. So by a special permit, you have a little bit more, um, not that you can deny a special permit easily either. But you have a little bit more control over a special permit. Special permit, uh, as long as there's a basis, mm -hmm. uh, can be denied. And yep. The example would be uh, a Dorico property on the corner of Summer and Winter Street, uh, the strip of buildings, the units at the back of there, uh, which was denied by the planning board on one aspect of not keeping in character with the neighborhood, as I recall. Uh, and that was taken to court, and the land court judge basically said, I think this is a good project, but that's not the standard. I think there's a basis for having voted as was voted, and he upheld the uh, planning board decision. On the other <coughs> hand, as uh, Beth alludes to, uh, site plan approval is essentially the ability to regulate, but not to not. So again, to go back to Greg's point, you have the control with the site plan, talking with special permit, as long as it's, you've got a rational, reasonable basis for the uh, denial, which is any one of those criteria or the overall criteria that's spelled out in the zoning bylaw, uh, whereas uh, site plan, you can tweak it, but you're not going to ultimately be able to say no. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm not saying that this is not a good idea, and I'm wondering if um, there's a way, and I know that there's a constant reminder that it's difficult for developers to go through the special permit process, so can we make the special permit process easier for developers, perhaps for something as small as a three-family request to the planning board? Do you look at the requirements for submittals um, for plans, or do you look at the fees that are going to be happening? Like, can you look at the specific requirements for a three-family request for a special permit and come up with a set of bylaws that are specific for this kind of development that maybe is an easier process? So we're not 
discouraging an applicant from coming forward to want to develop this, but at least still having some safeguards in place for this zoning district. Brian, I couple think you comments. want to answer that. A couple comments. Uh, number one, I, I, I would recommend that uh, instead of yes with the two as the no, um, that you would change the planning board special permit with the two as a no. Uh, having said that, if something is allowed by right, they still have to meet all the regula regulations. They still have to, you know, if, if you say that a three-family or two-family is allowed by right, you still have to meet your setbacks, your impervious coverage, your parking regulations, all of those things are required. And if they don't meet those things, you don't you don't just say, well, go ahead and build it anyway. It has to meet those things. So um, some projects, um, the, the uh, zoning enforcement officer actually may be able to say, yes, you can build a three family right there if you meet everything else. But because a, a three-family is a multi-family, essentially, it, it falls under commercial development, so you have to go the site plan review. Okay. Um, so, but anyway, I do. I mean, I do understand what you're saying, and I think that um, having you already have the two as the note for a two-family, which is by right, and you're requiring a little bit bigger lot. So, I think it's to having a three-family. You need to have that little bit bigger lot also. Um, whether you go with by right or special permit is up to you, but I think uh, I can understand what you're saying. That zoning district is very large and it doesn't have the same character, if you will, all the way through. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the things I play with it, you know, my spare time, whatever, is, you know, requiring a, a zoning line or whatever. You know, does this neighborhood fit more in with this zone or that zone? Um, and I think that kind of master plan process can address some of those issues. But for, for now, um, I think uh, a special permit, uh, if somebody wants to put in a three uh, unit in that district, uh, as long as they have a little bit larger lot, 25%. So instead of requiring 20,000 square foot, it would be, what, 2,500, I guess it would be. 25,000, probably. So. Okay. Um, Councilor Frangillo had his hand up before. Yeah. Uh, I want to be able to afford to live in Franklin. <laughs> she keeps saying that. And, uh, <laughs> that's really what this is. Uh, it's find a home. No. I, 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 want, I, I want to make it clear that uh, we talk a lot about affordable housing as uh, when we're talking about subsidized housing units, right? When we're talking about the inclusionary zoning that's subsidized, uh, you know, controlled uh, what you can uh, offer for rent or sell it at. There's a whole other large bucket of more affordable housing units, which are smaller units that don't require uh, a massive uh, yard for yourself um, or, any, or anything like that. These are units that uh, young professionals can live in. These are units that our older population uh, can live in and be within walking distance um, of their basic necessities, be within um, people, be around people uh, that they um, want to be around, a family, they can stay in Franklin. Right? We need to offer these smaller types of housing units if 
you are railing and, and frustrated with the large housing developments on the edges of town, but you still want to enjoy the services that you want, and you know that we need more housing units offered in town, these are the exact types of housing units uh, that we want to offer. If I may, Chair, can I again offer up some pictures of current three-family units in single-family in this district? I think we already saw them. Yeah. No, these are new ones. These are, these are, these are families. three families in that unit, in that area. Um, okay. okay. It feels like it would be helpful to know what we're talking about. Because again, they're not scared. Uh, and that, that's I don't, be I don't think if we're scared. I think we're... Oh, go ahead. I don't think anyone's disagreeing with you. I think that what um, we're commenting on, or what I'm commenting on, is mm -hmm. exactly the point that Ryan said, that they're, they're, this zoning district here in pink is not consistent all the way through. Um, so I'm not scared of third unit on other thing. I'm going to tell you it's not scary to me. But what's scary to me is that somebody way out here over by the rural residential too on this little dining property over here <coughs> might be scared of that unit. So I'm considering them who do not live in the dense center of town. Okay, so that's what I'm thinking of right now. That's that's what I'm thinking of. That's considering this entire zoning district, okay? And I understand we need to consider having a multitude of different kinds of options for people to live in, including yourself, Gobi. Um, I get that. We should also look at accessory dwellings in this. Hopefully that will come forward and, and be another option. It's on the agenda. It's on the agenda. I don't think anyone's disagreeing. I think it's the process of making sure, you know, I said, I'm not afraid of it being a downtown commercial. I'm not afraid of it in C1. I'm not afraid of it in GR5. By right, single family residential four is something I think should be considered for special permit. That's all. Cool. Um, Glenn. I just just a quick point of clarification. Is there a motion and is there something we're looking to change here? There's no motion. There's no motion. There's no motion. There's no motion. Change um, section 6.1B with three housing units to change the single family residential floor from yes to special permit with footnote number two. Oh, right. Leaving the remaining GR5 as is, neighborhood commercial as is. Um, what's RV? RV? Brian, what's RV? Well, it's, it's, it's you know, it's Say again? What's the zoning district RV? I'm sorry. RV, residential. Is it rural, rural business? Rural business. Rural business. Oh, 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 I was right. Oh, I should. It's RV. It's an RV. Rural business. C1, and C2, yep. and DC. The rest can stay the same. So, yes. Okay, we have a motion. A we have a motion and a second. Discussion. I think we've already discussed it. Um, but, um, Kobe, you want to say one more thing? No, I, I think I, I said my piece. I would yep. strongly disagree with this one. Here is our exact opportunity to allow for incremental density 
where are we going to grow as a community if not allow our downtown spaces to get one or two units bigger slowly, slowly over time? If we're not allowing that, then you have no right to, to be frustrated with any other developments on the edge of town because um, you, you're offering no solutions to getting us the revenue that we need uh, to operate and offer the services uh, that you enjoy in Franklin. Okay. Can I ask one question, Brian? Brian, am I? Um, yeah. uh, um, I think I had asked this once before. The amount of area shaded in pink, how many acres is that? Oh, I actually don't know because I haven't actually. Fairly substantial, if I remember correctly. It's yeah. large. Yeah. It's rather large. I can probably it's probably get it. five times the size of our five. Yeah. I mean, so, just by just ballpark in the scope of it. Because there's some other yeah. sections of R5 and pink that are out there in other areas, but if you look at it in downtown Fort you're right. It, you're probably talking four or five times the size. Yeah. You didn't talk about four amount of area. Four hundred acres. So, yeah, four times the size. Yeah. So, so I, like I said, I agree with Beth. And I think. And I, I understand what Kobe's thought process is, but I guess from my point of view, it would be you want to make sure you can protect the areas that these areas will be affected by. And I think the special permit will help that process. It's not a hindrance. It's, yeah, that fits. This one doesn't fit, per se. And, and, and you're protecting the community by doing that. And you're protecting everybody's investment. But I think as a rule, it's, it's going to be a beneficial thing to, to be able to assess each individual possible. It, this is a very substantial amount of area that can be affected. Mm -hmm. and, I think, and I think it's our responsibility to protect what's there and for whom's there as of right now. So that's all. Thank you, Craig. And also, it's, it's like, it's, uh, I'll say this again, it's not allowed now. And we can allow it by special permit or, or by right. But right now, you can't do that there. Which is an incremental increase. So that, I mean, that. That's true. <laughs> thank, thank you for finishing my sentence, Beth. <laughs> um, so, um, I think we've all. So the move is not to make it by right, but to make it by special permit. Three families or just three? <coughs> just three. Three. Um, do we have a motion? A motion. We got a motion and a second. Yep. Yep. Motion and a second. No, no, no. no. I seconded it. Greg seconded. Greg seconded. Okay, that's right. We're in the discussion. I'm sorry. Sorry, you guys. I'm so glad you guys are all here with me. <laughs> it's high right in DC. It's and, and everything else stays the same. No. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. As in the table. Yes. The change in the table and the change of the table. Um. So, okay. So we're gonna vote. You ready, Jamie? Yep. Okay. Um. Hunchard. Yes. Rondo. Yes. Whirling. Yes. Sheridan. No. Frangelo. Oh. Jones. Yes. Chair, yes. Okay, so I think now we are all set with this regulation schedule. Is that true? Okay. So we're going to move on since we've only spent two up. You got to vote on all of this. Oh, all of it. Motion, motion to move. As addressed, as amended, as amended. As amended. Sorry. Second. Um, do I have to do a roll call? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Motion to amend and move to full council for a further meeting. Right. Any inaccurate count? Yeah. Okay, and then and then it goes to the planning board. 
Both go to the both both this the and the, the inclusionary zoning bylaw will yep. both come to, on February fifteenth. Okay. That the council will be on the February fifteenth for referral to planning board. Okay, because just the meeting's too quick next week, and the meeting on February first is too stacked. I want Brian and Amy to go back and just make all the corrections and just get us fresh copies, you know, with the updates and the amendments and stuff like that. Okay. So the council and planning board both know, you know, what was amended, what wasn't. 15th would be referral to planning board. I'm guessing March, April, May would be the, the hearings at the planning board and the council. It'll take okay. about three months, right. roughly. Thank you, Jamie. I just wanted to make sure everybody understood that this is going to whip the path. Right. Right, the path forward. Okay. Um, Hunchard. Yes. Rondo. Yes. Wehrling. Yes. Sheridan. Yes. Frangillo. Yes. Jones. Yes. Chair, yes, it's unanimous. Onward it goes. Yay! <laughs> Good job, everybody. Unanimous. That was really good. Yeah. That was really Consensus. Good. Yes, we good did stuff. it. Nice job. We did it. Um, well, you know, so far so good. Uh -huh. um, initial discussion on ADUs, since we've only used two hours of our three hours. Who says? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Madam Chair, if I may, um, yes. just through you to the committee, just so everybody's, there's no votes, there's no legislation for action in the packet. Mm -hmm. um, Amy and, and has been doing a lot of research, and Brian, uh, we've also not had a full staff discussion on it. Um, so, okay. I just thought maybe a couple minutes per person or so. I know we were at a housing forum together over the weekend at the MMA. Um, I've sent you some of your press articles, Worcester, all these cities, and everybody's talking about ADUs. Um, you can't wait to convert their garages. I just wanted to get um, for Brian and Amy a little bit of, um, <coughs> excuse me, where any thoughts that each member had just to help frame our uh, drafting of any ADU legislation um, and just to get some feedback from the committee or, or certainly the public or Brad or Gus or anybody else had something too. We don't want to limit it, but um, that's why it says initial discussion. Okay. What people's thoughts are. Um, well, wasn't there any regulations that came out recently on the ADU? Well, the ADU legislation did not go through the oh. legislature okay. at the end of the session. Right. Never mind. Um, and so that has to get all reintroduced. Um, and, you know, it's obviously unclear if the administration are going to change anything. Um, okay. I, I don't know where that where that goes. Okay. Thank you. Um, Beth? Um, what about with, when the Housing Choice um, Initiative things came out? Wasn't there a draft um, talked about um, minimum square footage or something to that effect? So like 900 square feet as a starting point for that, that might be true. I know you know there's always been issues with the tiny home concept and also like um, trailer parks and stuff. You know those don't count, and so um, you know I, I think um, you know I don't know Brian if you know that off the top of your head. It's 900 square feet. No, I actually I think, John, I don't remember the number, but yeah. I thought the state came out with some sort of draft um, regulation or some suggestion for going forward if you wanted to do accessory 
as far as a maximum size? I mean, yeah, minimum or maximum or something. Yeah, we, well, yeah. 900 definitely would be a minimum. Um, so, yeah. Minimum so, I, <laughs> for an ADU, they're, they're going to be a few hundred feet up to up to 1,000 if you really. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. I'm going to. Um, oh, Amy's, Amy's believe, on. I think she has her hand up. Amy's coming up. Good. Yeah. Because I'm going to. I basically assign the ADUs to to Amy, and uh, we haven't really had a long discussion yet, but I know she's been doing some research, so maybe she actually knows the answer specifically. Okay, well, she has her hand up, so right. we're gonna go to Amy. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so what they thought that was going to go through, um, I don't think the state actually passed it for anything about the ADUs that they were going to. Um, we've done a lot of research. Most of the towns surrounding us in the areas past us also have, um, they're, they're pretty much special permit, but they're special permit by the zoning that they have. Um, I think that I've, I've actually put some stuff together um, to share with Brian, to share with EDC as well, is to, um, certain zones should be allowed by right. Um, I think more of your single family, um, residential one, two, three, um, are more likely to still keep the special permit so you can notify um, the abutters. But I think more in the downtown area, the ADUs um, could be by right. Um, so we're still doing a lot of research on what we found on that. Thank you, Amy. All right, so you just want, so I guess, um, I think what Amy just said is sort of how I feel, like we should, there should be a bit allowed by right in some, certain areas. Um, but I, I, maybe even everywhere, but, <laughs> but um, kinda, kinda just like to help, help people. Of course, I know we wanna be able to keep track of what gets built and all that. And, how those things go through the um, <clears throat> the plans, plan approval, that sort of stuff, I guess, is really important to, to find out, to make sure that happens too. So, um, but um, Council Sheridan has his hand up. So even if it's by right, it still has to go to the plan board, right? So you just can't do it. No, I'm not. I don't, okay. I, I don't know. It's not through the by right, it goes through the building commission. Okay. But somebody has to go through somebody, so people just can't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Attorney Sorrell has. Yeah. What's what's triggering the planning board with the special with the the site plan at least is the definition of commercial. It triggers the site okay. plan. So okay. a single family with that is not. As long as I have the floor, Madam Chair, just two general observations of these types of bylaws for protection and balancing. I think it's very common to have a requirement because it's accessory it be no larger than the uh, percentage or square footage compared to the primary. And oh, by the way, we only allow one primary dwelling on a residential, in a residential district anyway. Uh, number two is that uh, frequently there's a requirement that the property owner uh, reside either in the main primary or in the accessory so that it doesn't just become an income uh, a lot of apartments. Right. So those are the two? Those are two common to most of the bylaws I'm familiar with. Okay, thank you. 
Madam Chair, does I, that, well, I have a lot of history. Um, does that answer your question, Councilor Yeah, one, one last question. So if, the, if a two-family puts on assessor unit, it becomes a three-family item. Not even a lie. Say it's an accessory to a single family is usually how it's defined. But again, this is not etched in stone. This is how you do it in your zoning bylaw. And the issue with the state, without remembering specifically what the legislation was, but there's a balancing act going on here, even with going back to the MBTA community stuff. And that is that the, the state constitution was changed a number of years ago to recognize that municipalities have independent rights. That's what home rule was all about. And that limits to some extent what the state can get involved in. And so initially, when zoning was first came about, municipalities were only considered to be creations of the state. And therefore, the zoning statute was a so-called enabling statute and controlled everything. But then home rule passed in the interim. So now municipalities are free, consistent with state law. They have a lot of freedom, and it's a balancing because the legislature can't, has limits as to how far they can go before they're impinging on that. Okay. Councilor Sheridan, does that answer your question? Okay. Councilor Jones, I think you had your hand up. Uh, yeah, pretty much had an answer from the transfer. Okay. All right. Um, Bruce. Let me just give you a little history of uh, exceptionally dwelling units in, in Franklin. For about 20 years now, the ZBA has granted multiple accessory dwelling units. They're owner-occupied. Uh, we take names. Usually it's a family member. So instead of calling an in-law apartment, we have to call it a second dwelling unit because there's no definition of an in-law apartment. So what happens if what they were talking about, like downtown area, GR5 or something like that, if you want to put an accessory dwelling unit, you're basically creating another apartment. And if the person's not going to live there and he's just putting accessory dwelling units in, so you might have an absentee landlord there and you might have problems. That, that's what could bring up problems. When uh, the zoning board gives grants an accessory dwelling unit, we try to see how that unit is uh, integrated into the house itself. In other words, we don't want two separate entrances. You know, there has to be somewhere that if a family member moves out or passes away or for some reason doesn't occupy the unit anymore, it has to, it, it's kind of meant to dwell back together. Not to say that they couldn't sell it and somebody else come in, but we get, they come for another special permit or extension of that permit. And that helps the building commissioner uh, enforce it. And everybody says, well, how are we gonna do that? How's it gonna be enforced? How are you gonna know? You're gonna come down. Well, the ZBA is not an enforcing agent. The building commissioner, the zoning enforcement officer is. And when we take names, we write them down, we put them in the decision, which is filed in NARPAR. The neighbors are the best policing agent because the neighbors are going to know who's driving in, who's coming out, who's there, who's not there, and everything else. True. And I can tell you that if you changed, if somebody changed, there was somebody else coming in and out of that unit, and if the neighbors are, you know, like Gladys Kravitz got the window pulled back, you know, she's going to be looking out the window, and she's feel free to call the zoning enforcement agent. When he goes down there, he goes down there with the decision and says, hey, is uh, Joe Smith here, and where's Sally Smith, and, you know, and, right. you know, uh, like uh, across the street from Yonhoff's, the, the, the father of the person that owns the house. And once they move away, so goes the special permit. You know, not to say that they can't get it again, but they have to go through the process. 
so we can take names and know who lives there. So it's like a police station. So can I ask you a question about sure. that? So that's so when you said they have to get another permit, that's what you mean. If somebody new buys this property yeah, so with, it, with an AD unit, then it's not transferable. It's not transferable. So if they didn't get a special permit, they would have to like remove um, the the things that separate them. No, is that what you mean? No. They, they just well, they couldn't have anybody else move into them. You know, let me just explain to you how this all happened and how we got into this. Back almost 20 years ago, up in Diana Estates, there was a family. There was one of the first houses, and on the left hand side it was a huge house. Well, all of a sudden, the house doubled in size. And I'm not calling it all a living area. There was a garage and everything else. And the owners of the house made a big master bedroom with a big master bath and everything else. And they stuck either the, you know, the in-laws or the parents into the new unit that they created to make mm -hmm. an accessory dwelling unit. You know, a little small thing, but the house was double. It was like a hotel. But the only thing that they couldn't do, they showed a kitchen area. And at the time, I think uh, Dave Roach was the building commissioner at the time. He issued the building permit, but it showed a kitchen on him. He said, look, you can't use it as a second dwelling unit with a kitchen. To be able to get the second dwelling unit or to be able to prepare food you know, with a, with a kitchen, and you have to go to the uh, CBA and get a special permit for a second dwelling unit. And that's how it all started. Somebody, you know, that was like the first one that I can remember. Uh, we don't give a lot with uh, uh, an accessory dwelling unit. It's not attached to the house. There are a few, uh, you know, and they were done very nicely. People don't even know that there's somebody living in it. You know, one, one guy was, had one, one person had his father there. He was on an oxygen tank and he never went out. Mm -hmm. You know, so somebody, and I think Dave had to go check on that one also. So, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been working pretty well. I don't think we've ever turned anybody down tonight. Number one, yeah. But, uh, and I don't recall off the top of my head what it was, but, you know, because, you know, they probably deserve it. <laughs> anyway, but that's how the accessory going, and that's what we do, and that's what has been going on for the past 20 years. Is that every in every zone? Every zone. Okay. Every zone. Top of world one, two, three, you know, wherever they are. Okay. Obviously, you don't get a lot. I can tell you, we don't get a lot. They're talking about making uh, by right in GR5. I'm not sure that we've ever done one in GR5, you know, or, or, or close in it. Right. 
and they're paying and they're paying a rent. So it's a whole different scenario. And a family member is probably not going to pay rent. Probably pay the building structure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say, well, maybe. It's whether, it's whether I would. a, a, a yeah, parent, the kid comes back from college, <laughs> they want to get going, they, they, they create this assessment unit. It, I think the intention was for family members, for people to come back home, and for family to take in parents, as an example. Because yeah. yeah. they don't have a place to go, and you bring them back. And I think that was the Yeah, and I think that was the whole intention. I don't know, so that's necessarily how it's always done here in town, but um, I don't necessarily have an issue if it's used as an apartment for a small space. If we put a limit on how big these can be, like the maximum size, um, and it is used as a starter space for a senior that wants to stay in town, why can't we provide that unit? Why do we have to say, you don't have to, you're not paying rent? I'm sorry, there's people living there paying rent. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, just to be honest, well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, wait, wait a second. Yeah. One of the things we need to think about is like, okay, so we know why we did it. We know how we do it now. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same way. Right. And I think that's what, um, that's what Beth is saying. Um, and I agree with her. I think, um, does anyone else? Um, well, we're going to go through everybody first and I'll come back. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just going to say, I was going to take a one more step, but okay. it would be um, the neighbor that you'd have to take consideration to now because Absolutely. That, that, that unit may turn over two, three, four times a year. That neighbor next door who's, uh, you know, may not want to see that. Right. So I, I think, you know. I understand that. I understand. I, I think the whole intention was just to have family members just kind of regroup yeah. as they get older and or younger or come back. That's all. Yeah. I mean, that's good. But we might be able to do a little more, yeah. but um, Councilor Frangillo. Yeah, I could not agree more with Beth, and I appreciate her thinking of people who need to find homes here in Franklin. Uh, don't care who lives there. Uh, these are small units that offer uh, special circumstances because we're still gonna, I'm okay with having owner-occupied, owner has to be in one of the to, they need to have a relationship with that person. Uh, they are, are, this is not a separated duplex. This is sharing uh, the same parcel and the same space and the same electric meter and the same water meter. Uh, there, is, uh, there are some built-in uh, you know, pieces that make sure that uh, these are respectful and, and uh, people. Um, also, we just don't care who are like we're not allowed to care who your neighbors are. Like this is not how uh, this this system works. So um, yeah, I think the biggest thing that I, I'm thinking around accessory dwelling units, um, and, and really what we need to talk about in general is we do need to talk about uh, setbacks and coverage because most places, especially downtown, um, won't be able to have accessory dwelling unit because our um, law restrictions are too restricted. Um, so we need to revisit that. Um, but other than that, you know, don't, don't, don't care who uh, goes in there. Make sure that they're uh, small units and make them buy right everywhere. These are a great way to uh, add um, diversity to our house as well. Councilor Sheridan, do you have anything to add? No, I know you said that. You already said. Yeah. Councilor Jones, um, do you have anything else to say for what we need to talk about in the future? 
from Cars to Accessory Trailers? Yeah. Yeah, I actually like to ask a question of our building commissioner, if that's possible. Yes. I think yes. Come on up, Gus. Come on up, Gus. Come on up, Gus. Join us. I'm going to ask the same question. No, congratulations at getting through. You did no, thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Um, all right, Gus, uh, quick question. Um, what's the delineating factor that determines a dwelling space to be um, what would be just an additional bedroom? with, say, uh, amenities for cooking, compared to having a room that has amenities for cooking, toilet, and a separate meter for that space. That as soon as you start metering a separate space, do you not create, for all intents and purposes, a separate dwelling unit? Good point. Um, 70 square feet is the minimum room size. 70 square 70 feet? 70 square feet. Minimum. Under the building code, right. It's you start much. to get bigger no. than that. It's, you don't put a kitchen in, in particular a stove. Um, it's really not another dwelling unit. And in a lot of cases, when um, people come before us for accessory dwelling units, they might back the stove out of the out of the equation, and they don't need to come before the zoning board because we don't feel that it's another dwelling unit. Right. One of does that answer the question? Uh, can, Attorney Sorrell wants to. We actually have a definition of a dwelling unit in the zoning bylaw. It's one or more rooms providing complete living facilities for one family, including equipment for cooking or provisions for the same, and including a room or room for living, sleeping, and eating. Right, and that's the definition in my code book, as far as the electrical code is concerned. That's almost the exact same definition. So for the most part, um, it, without even simply putting in an additional stove or means to have a cooking, accessory or of the means it's not even really technically another dwelling unit it's just simply a with it with the means to, 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 to go to the bathroom so I, what I'm getting at is definitions matter here and we have to be careful when we when we define these accessory dwelling units because as soon as we start compartmentalizing a, a, a part of a house as soon as we put a meter on it and we start charging separate fees or fine not fees but a, um, people start being required to make separate payments on utilities and gas, water, electric, and so on and so forth. Now that's not necessarily just another bedroom in a house that for all intents and purposes would be departed. Not wrong. The way we have our restrictions now is that it has to be one meter on the house for an accessory dwelling unit. Fair enough. So they're sharing utilities. That's a good check and balance system, I think. It's worked well to this point. I realize we want to try to meet the definition of what the state's thrown out, and I'm all for it. I'm listening, and you know, we'll look at it with everybody else, and if change needs to be done, then again, I'm all for it. It's just, it's working great right now. Mm -hmm. I get it that we need to know who lives there, and that seems to be a sticking point, too. Mm -hmm. I think you're, outer lying areas, your R1, R2, and single family three, that's the majority of the accessory dwelling units that we permit. There's not a lot downtown. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, density, pervious covers needs to be looked at. It, I don't know that we've done that with what you voted on tonight. 
I don't know that that needs to be changed, um, but this time to look at all of those because if you want to make these changes, the restrictiveness of the impervious coverage is going to kill a lot of projects, um, especially with the smaller lots downtown. And that goes, you know, Bruce has got his hand up, and yeah, that goes a lot. It's okay. We'll get to that now. Yeah. yeah, that goes a lot, yes. a long way with what, you, what you've accomplished tonight. Thank you, guests. Yeah. You pretty much answered my question about utilities. Thank you. Nelson? Yes. Thank, Thank you, you Gus. Well, Thank you, Gus, for bringing up the impervious coverage. I, I carry this um, attachment nine with me wherever I go. You Steve know, Sherlock could, uh, could actually attest to that. Just um, one yeah. more thing. You, you're, you're trying to do everything by right. Bruce, help me out here. Um, you would need possibly to go to the zoning board for relief or impervious coverage. If it's not in the water resource district, it's actually the planning board. Right. If you right. exceed that coverage I was going to pick on, uh, well, I was going to call on Bruce next anyway, so he can answer that. He answer both of them. For those of the counselors that have weren't here 20 years ago, Mark been around a long time. He can probably tell you, this has been bantied about by the council on numerous occasions, except accessory dwelling units, and it never went anywhere. I was kind of happy when I saw that the state was going to come up with some sort of accessory dwelling unit bylaw or something mm -hmm. that maybe we could have used maybe downtown wherever but you know because like I said it's not sometimes you get some name very seldom you ever get any name but they just want to know who's living there or why they live in now we, you want to talk about the coverage you got that thing out there if, yeah. if, a, if a residential home is 35 percent 15 percent the water resource district I think it should be especially in the downtown area it should be up to 80 percent you know just like the, the commercial or the business districts are you know because uh, what's the difference you know you're building houses there and with today's technology you can certainly recharge the water into the ground by many means you know a lot they think about it a lot more now as a matter of fact come july they're all going to be paying to put the water back <laughs> in the ground so uh, you know because there'll be a surcharge on your tax bill so well it's a utility fee it's not on your tax bill. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Waste of uh, um. It's a utility fee. Um, yes, um, I agree. I agree with you. Um, I think this is definitely something that um, Council Frangillo and I um, want to talk about the impervious coverage, but. Um, that probably will go will go into the in the um, EDC um, with that, and um, we're not going to stop. That's all I have to say. But tonight, <laughs> 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 never stop. We're just going hey, to folks. You know what? I just I am comes early. I'm having so much fun with you guys. Um, so so um, does anyone else have anything anything else they want to tell the staff about ADUs that things are thinking about? Just a comment. That Wait, um, we um, actually, we have a comment from the Real from um, the audience. Good. I'm passionate. No, no. <laughs> Just something to bring up. I don't know if you guys can address this, and I don't mean to make a big discussion, but I think an owner-occupied thing that gets big into Airbnbs and stuff—that's a big debate. So I don't know if you guys have talked about that, what that is, but that's very tied together. A lot of towns and cities put limits on that, so the owner has to be there so it doesn't become little hotels and little things in transit in nature. It's a very right. important piece to use. That's all Thank you, Bruce. Very true. Um, Amy, Amy had her hand up, but I think. That's Brad. That's Brad. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Another B. That's Bruce. <laughs> another, another B. 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 I'm just picking on you. I can't, I can't help Sorry. it. Um, Amy, I think Amy had her hand up. Maybe, do you still have your hand up, Amy? Okay. I, I did. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we don't have right now is the detached ADUs. And there's like a lot of research about living little, smaller houses. You know, you might kind of put the size of a shed in your backyard, but you have. Um, you know, livable, the plumbing, it's view type apartment. So I think that is like, if we're looking at ADUs, we don't have the detached part about it. We have the attached part, and mm -hmm. I think that's very doable, and that's very easy to work that through, whether it's special permit or it's by right in certain zones. Um, but more and more research I've done is that um, looking at the detached, which does include larger, Lots. So if someone has a 15,000 lot, they still have to meet the setback. They still have to meet all your setbacks in the front side, backyard. Um, so I just wanted to have them have you guys consider that, not tonight, <laughs> um, but think of that as it comes forward. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go to Brian. Okay. I think, did I get his name right? Yeah. I offer him. So, um, I think uh, the the ADUs can be can take almost as long a time as we went through with the housing density. So yeah. it's a good talking. We're, we're starting that slow here, and this is good. Um, the separate ADU, as Amy was saying, is something that um, in some parts of the country is, is a really big deal. There, if you everybody, I think a few months ago we. we talked about uh, ADUs for a few minutes and said we're going to be taking it up later on. And at that time, I, I, um, I mentioned the document called the ABCs of ADUs. <laughs> Do a Google search on it and you'll find everything you really want to know about the you know, what types of ADUs are above the garage, separate buildings in the back of the building. Uh, ADUs need to be, you know, do they need to be in, on the side or in the back of a backyard, for instance, you can't have them in your front yard. You can't put a, a thing a little bigger than a shed in the front yard and call them an ADU. Um, do they have separate utilities? Do they have separate parking? All the other issues that are related to that kind of development really need to be addressed, or we continue doing things the way we are now. Um, so, um, allowing a owner in single family one and two and, and, and three or whatever to come forward and say, I want an ADU on my single family home and it's not going to impact the neighbors and this is why allowing a ZBA special permit is probably the way to go. Right. Um, but once you get into more um, uh, uh, changes, um, I think then you need to have more regulation to address the things. Um, if you end up with a, an ADU that is very close to having a separate apartment, right, then that person may have an additional car. Not that it, in downtown, probably won't matter, but maybe it will in certain neighborhoods. Um, you have, you have, to have them required to have two parking spaces, three parking spaces in a, in a 
single family house with an ADU, is that three parking spaces or is it just the two that they're originally required to have? Um, on, you know, on road parking in some neighborhoods can be a nightmare. If you add in ADUs into those areas without addressing that unit, but that issue, it can be, um, you know, can get a little bit worse. Uh, I think we need to increase density of housing without doubt. Um, ADUs are very important co uh, component of that, but it needs to be addressed in a, a logical way or leave it alone for now and, and see what happens. I remember um, you were talking, you were saying over the last 20 years it's been discussed a lot. It has. I've been here for over 15, and I think the last, I think three different zoning workshops, uh, my department put out there, you know, that we should discuss ADUs and all these other issues. We got the ADUs on all of them, and Bruce basically was saying, no, we're, we're doing fine, let's leave it alone, and then we did. <laughs> do we do that again, or do we actually regulate it uh, for, uh, um, in another way? Do we allow, anywhere we're allowing a, a, a two-family by right, do we allow a single family with an accessory unit by right? And what does that mean? Because mm -hmm. uh, it's not a multifamily, but it's a two-family at the most. So that would just go through the building commissioner, I'm assuming, that they had to have certain things met. And if they have them, see, what are those things that they have to meet? Do they have to have a separate kitchen? Do they have to have a full bath, essentially, or just a toilet? I mean, I don't, I don't really know, but I think those are the things that we, a building commissioner would be able to answer for them. You know. Okay. But anyway, so this is just a few things. And the, the definition of an ADU, I think, is something we definitely need to focus in on. Uh, for sure. Okay. Thank you, Brian. I'm going to go to Bruce and then to Jamie. Just the clarification, okay. um, there are some detached ADUs in front of uh, I think there was actually three people that applied. All three got approved. One was never built. There's one on the corner of uh, Peck and King, mm -hmm. and there's another one on the corner of Daniels and Lincoln. Okay, uh, I know what that is. There you go, I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and just one other thing, we're on back to really the discussion. Nice. It looks good. discussion at the time. Yeah. Yeah, we're looking at Norfolk's got an ADU bylaw, this town's got an ADU. It puts a lot of work. Instead of being the building commission, it would be the ADU. Thank you. You're going to go to ADU, you're going to do them that way. Then you're going to need more help in the yeah. building department. Well, so. Bruce is already checking out all the skate. I mean, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it again. That's pretty cool. Gus is already checking all, all, all the weights and measures and everything, too. So we could just like add that on to Gus's thing. I just said Gus twice the right way. But Jamie, I'm going to Thank Jamie. You, Matt. Yep, I'm just seconding. Because there's no vote. There's no vote. No, you said motion to adjourn. No, I did. I just said second. Three, Madam Chair. A couple quick points. One, one. We may want to consider, in the absence of any formal regulations, definition, as Brian pointed out. You know, ADUs are right now possible, right? So there, maybe there needs to be a little educational brochure, flyer, information that gets put out that ADUs can actually go through, because I do agree with Gus and Bruce, they've actually been happening. Um, they've been happening all over the place. Um, which comes back to my uh, first point, with, I appreciate Bruce bringing it up. Uh, before we get into regulatory, allowing these by right, all that stuff, we are gonna need the ADU commissioner, because if you discredit neighbors, 
um, then we will be out refereeing these things a lot more than anything else. Um, and so the public has to have a chance to know what's going on next to them. We've been through this a little bit, not as much, but with chicken coops in backyards and putting on incorrect property and all sorts of different things and we gotta go out and force them later. So there is some unforeseen consequences, but I think one of the germane points is we can do those now, it's been working well. If there are properties in R1, R2, that want that detachment or want that unit in the garage or have a special situation with a home care situation of somebody who's older or somebody who needs help, they can seek that relief out of the ZBA and that's been working just fine. And we shouldn't allow all of this other process or whatever happens with the legislature because I think they're gonna bring it back. Something's gonna happen in the next year or two. But I do have to say that, um, and just caution um, too much too quickly because this is one issue that can get out of control extremely fast. Uh, from a regulatory standpoint, from a friction standpoint, from a NIMBY standpoint, from a neighborly relations standpoint, from cars in the streets, all sorts of unintended consequences can come from these things. So I think one thing I would propose to the EDC at some point is like considering a promotional thing that we actually do allow these now, and this is the process mm -hmm. to go through them um, as the town kind of weighs through what are the options terms of the regulations on EDU. So uh, I'm fully in favor of them, and I just want to remind everybody why we're here talking about them. <laughs> it's a very uninspirational situation where nothing is affordable. So we've all conceded now because nothing is affordable for either seniors and parents to stay in their homes, or, or young people. We've now conceded the fact that because we can't build any real housing, now the buzz is, well, let's get an ADU because that will be a housing unit so Kobe can have a kitchen and or whoever can have like a separate unit. And we've just said, well, we'll just dispense with the real goal of actual real housing that's affordable. We'll just say, well, we'll concede to a 300 square foot unit and that's gonna be the only way young people, young professionals or elderly can actually have a unit um, and so I just throw that out there because ADUs have been going on for decades, but all of a sudden in the last year or two, they've become a buzzword everywhere. And I think largely that's because we've said, well, we, do, we can't build real housing or make it affordable. We'll just we'll concede and say, well, we'll just have an attached unit uh, on there. So I'm in favor of the uh, ideas of uh, the expansion of family. I don't think we need to hover over all these things with people. And Brad brought up another point that I was gonna bring up on my list, which is we do have to consider and the Airbnb issue, yep, which will definitely. Sure so, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Jamie. I, I'm not sure I agree with you completely on what you just said, um, but uh, I think I think um, I haven't given up on affordable housing. I think we need all these different little. It's it's trying to make um, our our um, inventory larger and, and different and multiple different types of inventory is is kind of what I think. Um, but I'm gonna go to Kobe quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I am a proud resident of an accessory dwelling unit. Um, that is the only reason I'm able to live here and be sitting behind Vice Council. That's not something I'm embarrassed about or something that uh, we should be ashamed of. These are real housing units that we should be opening up to more people. Uh, 
we're hearing more and more. Uh, my my generation is just. If you look at the demographics over the years, we've just entirely hollowed out um, my generation of uh, people. We don't need um, massive uh, houses and large uh, lawns. We just want rooms to live in a, a small kitchen and to be able to uh, connect to some of our basic needs. Uh, so so the, the sort of looking down on these um, is, is not something that uh, I'm, I'm going to get behind. The other thing is, who has this been working for? All of what we're talking about, the reason why the state is considering mandating that we uh, produce ADUs, the reason why the state is having uh, the MBTA communities uh, at the reason why we're behind and paying for our infrastructure millions tens of millions of dollars in backlog is because we've stopped building new housing units at the rate of population growth All, every single step that you have to take something to someone and then go to the next meeting and have it pushed to the next meeting. That means you have to hire a lawyer and builders. And all of these come with fees, they come with time, and they just result in fewer housing units being built. If there are things that we enjoy, that we like, that we want in our town, that we know already work, let's allow them to be built and give people more homes in Franklin. Thank you. Motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn. <laughs> Second. Third. Um, all in favor, signify. I'm not doing a roll call vote. Um, Aye. Aye. Okay. Thank you so much for watching us tonight. Thank you, um, thank, yeah. I want to thank the whole steering committee um, for being here with us. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters. <laughs>